Hi, it's Michael Anthony, and welcome to The Meat of It, a carnivore podcast about life. My apologies for the uh, video, if you're watching the video of this. Um, for some reason, while I was trying to figure out how to stream this with all the bells and whistles, I ended up really, I don't know, the, the settings won't, I can't fix the settings, so it's a pretty psychedelic look. Let's call it psychedelic, huh? Uh, <laughs> it's... Um, but I wanted to make sure I got in on time, so hello. Um, I see I have a comment from Miss Silver here uh, in the live chat. Uh, she says, uh, I'm gonna miss you live. It's 4.24 a.m. here, and you're starting 6 a.m. my time. I'll be asleep by the time you start. Look forward to catching your news later. Thank you, Miss Silver, and, uh, yeah, this will be available later on, of course, and in podcast form. So um, today I wanted to talk about some things in the news because um, it's even I, I avoid the mainstream news. It's depressing. Most of it is calculated to be depressing. So I deliberately avoid it. But there are some things that we need to keep track of so we know what to do, how to prepare. And uh, since I think that one of the big things we have to look out for is the war against meat, that's the thing we have to look out for the most, probably, if we have to, if we want to defend our, our way of life, our lifestyle, our diet, our health, our natural health, because everything's moving toward processed food and, and syn synthetic meat and uh, maybe even eating bugs. That seems to be a, a big popular push as well, um, which I think goes against the uh, vegan concept of doing as little harm as possible. All those, so many animals dying for for very little nutrition. So, I'm I'm against, the, especially industrialized insect farming for food. What a nightmare that that'll be if they uh, get their way with that. But I'd like to talk about uh, just a couple of articles that I found in the news, and uh, yeah, just share those with you and give you some commentary. I mean, one or two of these is going to be enough because I'll go on and on probably forever just from one or two of them. So, uh, or even just one or two points within one article could set me off. And they usually do. That's why I usually avoid this stuff because it's pretty frustrating. Anywho, uh, so I'm going to shrink myself here because in the video, because like I said, I'm looking psychedelic, can't fix the settings for some reason. I'll fix, I'll fix it later. But what's important here is looking at the news. Now we have from Ag Week uh, in their agriculture reports. It says, report predicts collapse of U.S. beef industry. New technology will devastate the, t the conventional U.S. beef industry by 2030, according to a report from a San Francisco-based organization. Hmm. New technology will devastate the conventional... That's already just so creepy, and showing you that it's... They're planning it. It's not like a... It's not like... They'll say that it's for... Okay, let's, let's, not, let's not focus on all this nitpicking already. So, uh, new technology will devastate the conventional U.S. beef industry by 2030, according to a report from a San Francisco-based organization. But the report's source should be considered, said an extension livestock economist. Okay. Sounds like industry against industry. 
the COVID-19 pandemic has focused new attention on a 2019 study that predicts the conventional U.S. beef industry will collapse by 2030 with severe impacts on much of the rest of agriculture. By 2030, the number of cows in the U.S. will have fallen by 50%. And the cattle farming industry will be all but bankrupt. All other livestock industries will suffer a similar fate, while the knock-on effects for crop farmers and businesses throughout the value chain will be severe, according to the report from the San Francisco-based RethinkX which describes itself as an independent think tank that analyzes and forecasts the speed and scale of technology-driven disruption and its implications across society. Uh, Now, I don't want to go on and on reading this whole thing, but uh, I should definitely address a couple of points here already. Um, uh, First of all, note that they're talking about 2030. 2030 is important because... uh, the World Economic Forum, I know I always sound like a nutcase bringing them up, but I have to bring them up. Uh, the World Economic Forum at weforum.org, uh, they uh, definitely have the year 2030 on their minds. Uh, I mean, if you just go to their website and do a quick search. In fact, let's, let's see if we search for 2030 on their website on weforum.org, what happens? The three, skills, the three key skill sets for the workers of 2030. A 2030 vision. Partnering together to scale technology for the global goals. The 2030 agenda for sustainable, agenda, for sustainable development. Uh, the Great Reset pops up because... The year 2030 is very important to their Great Reset, which you've heard of and probably consider a conspiracy theory, but it's right there, all right there, before your very eyes on weforum.org. Usually I just talk about this stuff. Now I get to show you live because I'm working on my technology here. Of course, I'm looking psychedelic, but other than looking psychedelic, I think it's all working out just fine. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, like I said, you, 2030. There, there's a there's a something on here. Uh, yeah, own nothing and be happy. It auto auto fills for you. It's nuts. Uh, yeah, there's a there's anyway there there's an article on here somewhere that says uh, uh, it's 2030. I uh, I own nothing and I'm happy. It's some uh, that that's their vision for us. That in 2030. We will own nothing and be happy. And it's being played around with as a, just a, a you know, a vision, a, 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 a potential, the, what we could do if we really took the concerns about the, the climate and, and, and all this stuff. They twist noble, very noble uh, impulses and they turn them against us. Because, of course, we want to protect the environment. That's our home. The, the, the earth is our, our mother and our home and our, our father, our everything. It's, it's the universe. Anyway, I'll get all, <laughs> I don't want to get all philosophical on you right now. But basically, they're trying to divorce us from nature. They're trying to say that we don't belong in nature. We're not part of nature and that we're only sullying nature. 
But keep in mind that it is these plutocrats, these people running the world with their, all their money and no competence. Uh, if, if They're either incompetent or malicious, but uh, they, they're not helping anything. They, they are the one. In fact, they are the source of the problem that they're blaming on us. They're saying that our meeting, our need for meat is causing all this climate uh, change and, and we're, we're polluting the planet with all our need for meat, our demand for meat. Yes, we demand meat because our, our bodies demand meat nutritionally. So, yeah, we demand meat. There's an eternal, a perpetual, and it, it, we need it. So there's no argument there. And they're trying to make it an argument, and there is no argument. But um, like I was saying, they are the source of the problem. Uh, see how easily I get off onto, onto a tangent? That's me, right? But anyway, they are causing the problem that they're blaming on us, and... It's really creepy because they're saying factory farming is the problem. And sure, I agree. Factory farming is the problem. But they turn around and say, but you can't go back to these natural practices. I mean, there are places where fertilizer I'm hearing is being outlawed, I believe. It's pretty bad. Uh, I mean... In my, there are extremes in certain areas. I don't know a lot about policy across the world, but I mean, there there are farmers revolting in India right now. Uh, I believe over uh, GMOs are being forced to change their farming system to suit uh, industrialization, and industrialization is the problem. Stopping people from carrying on their ancient practices is the problem. You should allow them. You must allow them. We can only restore the soil that we are depleting by having cows graze and poop on this grass with their methane and everything. Don't worry. It'll all take care. This is nature. Do we really think that the feces of an ancient animal is somehow suddenly toxic to the planet. Oh, it's just the numbers, right? No. This is a herd animal. It's meant to be abundant. And so this is ridiculous. All these arguments are ridiculous. And the problem is, look, they're blaming a huge chunk of, I think, okay, this this is, I'm jumping from article to article in my head now, but they're blaming a huge chunk of um, the the pollution out there on meat production and it's not even by the numbers i have seen from let's see what what is that the uh environmental protection agency um on 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 meat production so i i haven't looked it up in a while but uh i mean definitely they claim that meat production causes one of the, one just a huge impact. Meanwhile, transportation and uh, actually healthcare, healthcare, they never mention healthcare. It's a huge percentage of our pollution, and healthcare is mostly nowadays drugs. I mean, factories, drugs, uh, machines, uh, and anything but health. Right. So it, it's all to to. 
try to keep us together while we're falling apart from all the other things that they're doing while we're not in the hospital. And even in the hospital, they still feed you sugar. And anyway, here I am sounding bitter, <laughs> but it is quite, quite upsetting. Oh, so I'm stopping in the, uh, taking a break from my vitriol here to look into the live chat and I see a hello from Luke Gear. Hi, dropping by, but I'm out for training. Enjoy the show. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by, Luke. I appreciate that. And that helped me to ground myself, you know, stop for a moment and stop being so grumpy because, hey, you know, it's upsetting, but yeah. You know, I should probably schedule these a little later because I definitely, this is, I'm not getting as many people today <laughs> as I usually do on the live stream. And uh, you're just stopping in. Those who do pop in, just pop in and out. So, uh, there are a few of you out there, and I appreciate it. Thanks for joining. I, I didn't even check that number, so thank you for being here. And I hope that you're enjoying this despite my weird psychedelic look. Uh, I'll hopefully have that fixed by the next stream. I have to have it fixed by the next stream, but either that or I'll have to do something other than all these uh, bells and whistles. But anyway, getting back to the news that that article is saying that you know, 2030 is uh, that, I mean, the fact that they're talking about 2030 says it all. That shows that this is part of that plan that is clearly laid out there by the World Economic Forum. I mean, it's in there. I mean, you do a, a quick search and there are so many, click it 10 pages in. Let's see. The Science of Fright, Why We Love to Be Scared. Why do they even have that in there? I mean, that's... Ah, man, that's creepy. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's that they, they framed it as a Halloween thing, but it also has to make you wonder, because, uh, you know, there, there's actually a... Um, uh, w w which agency was it that had um, a, a zombie apocalypse... Uh, kind of a, uh, yeah, some kind of zombie apocalypse scenario that was supposed to be funny, but just to use as a, a CDC, zombie preparedness. It's creepy. So this is presented as just fun, as a joke. Uh, I know this is a little off the topic of meat per se, but uh, hey, Meat, meat. If you it, meat walking around is a zombie, so I think that that uh, is still relevant. But uh, they say, wonder why zombie zombie apocalypse and zombie preparedness continue to live or walk dead on a CDC website. Uh huh. See, this is their note after afterward. As it turns out, what first began as a tongue-in-cheek campaign to engage new audiences with preparedness messages has proven to be a very effective platform. Yeah, but they also know that it's creeping people out. And they're trying to contextualize it so that you're not scared. But uh, I really think that, uh, I don't know, they, <laughs> they've got me. Yes, am I a little paranoid? Sure, uh, at this point. But uh, for good reason, as I say, they're laying it all out for us, showing us too many creepy things to ignore. So, anyway... Getting back to that article, 2030, creepy number again. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, they're saying that the number of cows in the U.S. will have fallen by 50%. Now, I'm glad that they're only saying that. I, I thought their their plan was a lot more um, immediate to just wholesale, just get rid of all of them even sooner than that. And I think I've heard plans to that effect. That It's it's insane, but it's this is not just that they expect technology to disrupt things. This is part of the actual plan that they they want. They want to reduce the number of cows so that we have less access to that meat, any meat, except maybe, maybe bugs, right? I mean, I keep on talking about the bug thing, and I'm, I'm trying to maybe save that for its own podcast, but we may have to discuss it at some point before the end of this stream. So, anywho, let's see. They're also saying... Um, yeah, so like I like they were saying earlier that uh, you have to consider the source of this information, and I think it's industry against industry. I usually side with the meat industry in in a way, but their practices are so flawed. I, you know, it, I, I support meat, but not necessarily the meat industry. Certain actors within the meat industry, yes, but it is a big messy thing. So. Uh, consider the report. This is the article again. Consider the report's source when evaluating its potential accuracy, said Tim Petrie, North Dakota State University livestock marketing economist, who was asked by Ag Week to comment on the report. It was written by Silicon Valley high tech people who want to lure billionaire investors in, uh, lure billionaire investors uh, to invest in their companies, uh, Petrie said. And that's the case with anything. When you have something very dramatic, it's easier to get it in the papers than the report that says meat production is going to increase 1% a year. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's beyond hype. I don't think it's just hype. That's what it sounds like to me, that he thinks it's just hype. Um, maybe it's just uh, hopeful thinking on his part. I certainly share his hopes, but I do think that it's... Uh, I mean, you see the way that, say, even last year, the way the supply chain was disrupted and uh, meat prices, I saw meat prices go up a bit. Not a lot, thank goodness, but a bit. And shelves were sometimes a little emptier. But I don't know, especially in the city, it was okay. But I recently heard in an Ice Age Farmer podcast, I highly recommend following Ice Age Farmer, um, that they actually that's the supply chain prior deliberately prioritizes urban areas and will uh, yeah leave the people in, in out not in the suburbs but out in the rural areas uh, just leave them without and that way because there are fewer people out there the the optics in the big dense cities it looks like there's enough meat and everything's okay and the prices are not going too crazy because they've they're engaging in price controls. I'm sure, so it's it's all very shady, all very manipulated, and uh, there's only so long that they can maintain the illusion before the market shows its ugly face, and that's what we really have to be prepared for um, when yeah when the crap hits the fan, 
Um, we need the, the crap to hit the grass so that we can fertilize the grass. They, they, but they're throwing it on the fan. I mean, this is the problem. They don't know where to put the crap. But they are full of it, I'll tell you that. So uh, they do point out that some 2019 key, some key 2019 predictions have failed to come true already, according to Petrie. Um, I'm sure that's see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have enough. I think I have free, three free articles on this site per month. But uh, yeah, it says report meat consumption rising. That was January 2020. One can only hope. But I, I don't think so. I don't know. You, you see this uh, kind of a, I don't know. Who, who knows what to believe anymore, right? That's part of the, that, that's another part of the plan. When you see conflicting information, you definitely know. Because I mean, at least the, the long-term trend has been downward for especially red meat, that people have been eating less red meat because they've been warned against it. So naturally they have just slowed down as they say, I mean, they see me eating a steak and say, oh, that red meat's going to give you a heart attack. Meanwhile, my heart's in the best health since my childhood. So I don't know. It's, it's all crazy. Uh, hey, Joaquim, what's up? Thanks for popping in. Um, sorry, I'm looking at the live chat there for a second. Another break from this, uh, uh, not so lovely news, but yeah, I barely gotten through the news. I, really, this is just a springboard to talk about what's going on because uh, from day to day it changes, but there's an an overall plan. The thing to keep your eye on is the plan, right? It's like uh, like that. Uh, anyway, just keep an eye on where they want to go and whether or not they get there. You know what's happening. You know why certain things are happening. Like uh, when, when, like I was starting to bring up earlier, uh, last year the the supply chain got disrupted and uh, the meat prices went up a bit. And uh, I don't know, maybe a lot for some people, but I only saw them go up a little. And uh, the shelves were a little emptier. But uh, this was all preventable. It, it was. I'm against factory farming altogether, even though I do eat, I have eaten, I, I grew up on meat from factory farms, but, um, it's just not sustainable. It's not great for the animals. And I mean, a lot of people would argue that no animal agriculture is going to be good for the animals, but for the most part, the animals that I eat to my knowledge have been treated well right up until that one moment during which I hope they felt nothing in order to be harvested. It is a harvest, not merely a slaughter. So, wow, <laughs> here I am uh, going off on more tangents, but it's all connected. Like I was saying, you just want to keep an eye on what their end goal is. That way you're prepared for whatever. I mean, at this point, I'm prepared for them to come to my door, say that I have to get a jab, I have no choice, and oh, by the way, for the rest of my life, I'm eating plants. I, I, I'm looking. I'm, I'm just waiting for them to come, ding, ding, dong, and at my front door. And 
I'm going to go tell them to, uh, yeah, to go take care of themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying not to use uh, vulgar language here, but you know what I'm saying. They can go screw themselves. I'm not taking any kind of, I'm not taking any of their unnatural approaches to life. It's, like I said, they are trying to divorce us from nature. And I suppose humans being, no, there's no benefit to us being divorced from, we can stop polluting by divorcing ourselves from their system, from their industrialization. That's what's causing the problems. So when they have all these, all these horrible practices that we did not invent factory farming or any of this kind of, any agriculture, all of us are using systems that were handed down to us one way or another. And I think my audience would certainly, in general, prefer the natural method. And so we would have gone for that. We would not have gone for all these horrible machines dragging around carcasses. It's just depressing and, and, and sick. And when vegans try to disturb me with those images, I am disturbed. And I agree with them that that is an unacceptable practice that needs to end. However, the solution is not to stop eating meat. That would just result in our degradation. We would deteriorate as a species. Just like we evolved as a species by eating meat. So naturally, when we, when we discovered agriculture, if you look at the anthropological record, let's see, uh, I'm going to do a, a duck, duck, go search. Cause I realize I've got the window open and there's no visual here and I'm looking too psychedelic to be solo on screen. So, um, let's see, uh, brain size, human brain size, uh, after agriculture. Yeah, I know. I typed in brain size human after agriculture, but duck, duck, go does not care. I can type go duck, duck if I want. Now, let's see. Uh, farming to blame for our shrinking size and brains. Our shrinking size altogether, says fizz.org. At Britain's Royal Society, Dr. Mar Marta Lahr from Cambridge University's Leverhulme Center for Human Inter Evolutionary Studies presented her <clears throat> findings that the height and brain size of modern-day humans is shrinking. Wow, it's shrinking, folks. Not just <laughs> it didn't just shrink when we discovered agriculture. It has continued to shrink, tinier and tinier. Looking at human fossil evidence for the past two hundred thousand years. Lara looked at the size and structure of the bones and skulls found across Europe, Africa, and Asia. What they discovered was that the largest Homo sapiens lived 20,000 to 30,000 years ago with an average weight between 176 and 188 pounds and a brain size of 1,500 cubic centimeters. They discovered that some 10,000 years ago, however, size started getting smaller, both in stature and in brain size. Hmm. Within the last 10 years, the average human size has changed to a weight between 154 and 176 pounds and a brain size of 1350 cubic centimeters. Ooh, that sounds 
quite a bit smaller than 1500, doesn't it? While large size remains static for close to 200,000 years, researchers believe the reduction in stature can be connected to a change from the hunter-gatherer way of life. That agriculture... Uh, uh, to that of agriculture, which began some 9,000 years ago. So in about a 1,000 years, is it? We, uh... No, no, no. Looks like before, maybe, yeah, just before we started agriculture, we already started, I guess, dabbling, right? And then, anyway, I don't want to get the timeline wrong, and uh, that would make me also sound very silly. So (laughs) moving on to what the scientists are saying here. While the change to agriculture would have provided a plentiful crop of food, the limiting factor of farming may have created vitamin and mineral deficiencies and resulted in a stunted growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very common these days, too, folks. And the article goes on. Early Chinese farmers ate cereals, such as rice, which lacks the B vitamin niacin, which is essential for growth. Agriculture, however, does not explain the reduction in brain size. Really? Lar believes that this may be a result of the energy required to maintain larger brains. Oh, great. Look at that, huh? You know, just when I thought she was on our side. There are plenty of other scientists who will, you know, anthropologists and others who will back up that it is about what we ate, that we... we starved ourselves i mean they just mentioned it they said that they they, early chinese farmers ate cereals such as rice which lacks the b vitamin niacin which is essential for growth i mean there is clearly there are and they even i think earlier they mentioned vitamin and mineral deficiencies that can result from eating too many plants i mean it's 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 all there and it's all true and we are seeing this to this day so uh, that, that's why one of my favorite stories was uh, when, uh, I don't know how to spell Jaden Smith. Uh, yeah, uh, Jaden Smith, that's, uh, that's the son of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. I don't know if they're still together. I don't know if any of Hollywood is still married, but, and who cares? But, uh, yeah, they staged an intervention, as Rolling Out uh, points out, to, uh, yeah, to say that you have to eat meat, just like my mom did for me. Jaden's parents said, you have to eat meat. And I, I, as crazy as they probably are otherwise, I really respect that, and that's a rare move from those West Coasters, huh? But, uh, I mean, no offense to the West Coast. <laughs> I mean, people think I'm from the West Coast, and I have, fr- I have friends from the West Coast, and including some of you, so it's, uh, but we know that California has some crazy, I mean, New York is crazy too, so don't even get me started. I mean, I could have just as easily said the ridiculous East Coast. I can't believe it. But at least we used to have a an attitude, you know? I mean, you know, like George Carlin said. George Carlin, one of the greatest comedians, if not the greatest comedian ever, right? Said uh, New York, no, 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 California or L.A. He says, L.A. is a small woman saying, bleep me. And New York is a big man saying, bleep you and 
We've lost all our bleep in New York. I'm very saddened by that. I mean, we haven't lost all of it. I mean, I'm still here. So as long as I'm here, there's a middle finger in New York, at least for these people. You know, not 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 Jaden and all whatever. I'm I'm happy that they're eating meat, so I'll leave them alone. But uh, the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, all those people, they can have my middle finger. So let's uh, take another look here at the. Actually, I'll take a look at the live chat. Take a break from all this reading. Reading. I'm still reading the live chat, but you know what I'm saying. So Joaquin says, "I prefer to stay human," and it's like that film Idiocracy. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I I don't know. Look, transhumanism is a word that's thrown around these days, too, a lot. Then um, that's, I think, part of the agenda. Again, it's all about agendas. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the uh, subcategories on the World Economic Forum website. When you do a search, actually, no, it's right there. The agenda tab. Fourth Industrial Revolution. People are called conspiracy theorists for even bringing these things up. I haven't even noticed that their website has Fourth Industrial Revolution right there under the Agenda tab. So when people say, it's not, there's not a, a conspiracy of a bunch of billionaires and companies with governments teaming up with some kind of agenda... It's right there. They're not trying to start up a fourth industrial revolution. Fourth industrial revolution, geostrategy, economics, environment, and more. Fourth indust- the fourth industrial revolution is so important to these psychopaths that it is the first tab under agenda, which is the first tab. <laughs> and... All the way on the other side, they have more for the other stuff. I, I wonder what the other stuff is. Uh, oh, the, the gender gap. Uh, let's see. Let's. I'll try to do my best Klaus Schwab impression. I don't know if you've heard uh, Klaus Schwab, but he has this very deep voice, and uh, he has a, people call him a Bond villain because he he speaks with a very deep uh, German accent, uh, which I can't really do very well. But anyway. Uh, uh, we are living in a more complicated and fast-changing world with interconnected problems and challenges. Businesses, governments, and civil society are undertaking initiatives to de- define these problems, search for solutions, and take action. But how do the world's efforts to address these challenges feed into the inter- inter- con- sorry, feed into interconnected global systems or attract wider public attention for more impact? The forum offers platforms to integrate and aggregate these efforts. If you are interested in learning about how your organization can work in partnership with the World Economic Forum, please contact us. Wow, here I thought it was just invitation only. I mean, you got to look at some of the people who are actually involved with the World Economic Forum. They have a list of all their uh, donors. it's It's harder to find, you see. It's all the way at the bottom. All the way at the bottom. Uh, let's see here. I can't even find it. Oh, wait, wait. Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. I'll click on that. There he is, Klaus Schwab. There's Klaus Schwab. Professor Klaus Schwab was born in Ravensburg, Germany, 1938. He's founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, the international organization for public-private cooperation. Mm. 
Public-private cooperation. You know what that means? Fascism. <laughs> I mean, that's it. corporatism, fascism. Mussolini himself said it. So, that is disgusting. He founded the Forum in 1971. Huh, around the same time when all... The anti-meat push really started, I guess, between the 60s and 70s. It really started getting going in the 70s. But, uh, and then the, the low fat thing, which really, I ended up getting hit probably one of the hard, you know, I was in, I was part of the generation that get, got hit the hardest because when I was developing, we, we were in the, uh, anti fat craze in the 1980s and early 90s, actually all the way through the 90s. So, and I was doing things like, uh, slim fast and, uh, you know, anyway, all that kind of nonsense. But so, Hey, I'm going to take another look at, take a break from all, again, take a break from being so vitriolic and look at my wonderful live chat here. Uh, Z8 says, George Carlin was one of the greatest men to ever exist, and he'd be in instantly canceled today. Yeah. <laughs> no, he would be uncancelable. He's one of those uncancelable folks, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean... You look at some some celebrities out there, like Joey Diaz. I'm mad at Joey Diaz for saying, put on a mask. But, but, other than that, he's hilarious and uh, he's inspired me in many ways. Uh, so, uh, and <laughs> uh, he, they tried to cancel Joey Diaz and he, he, he's unapologetic. This is what you have to be, unapologetic. When they try to cancel you nowadays, if they ever try to cancel me for I don't know what I, I don't think I've done anything, but they always make something up, right? So, uh, yeah, you just, you can't apologize unless you've truly done something that you really believe you did something wrong, then why wouldn't you apologize? But if you're backed into a corner and bullied to, to say what they want you to say, you know, with, with, I guess they don't put a gun against your head these days. Sometimes they do, unfortunately, but they'll put a dox against your head. And that's stressful too. But, um, no, George Carlin, he, he, he was, he was another middle finger that never stood down. Uh, so I'm sure even in rigor mortis, <laughs> I'm sure he was buried with a middle finger. So, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if the, that's a too morbid a joke, but I, man, when George Carlin died, I felt like I had lost an uncle. I really did. I felt so sad. It took me years to even feel okay reading his, uh, last words, his autobiography, which was, I believe, compiled from his uh, notes, uh, post-mortem. So, um, I've got Waniac saying, howdy from Texas. Howdy, Waniac. Thank you for stopping in. Um, I always wonder, am I offending Southerners by trying to throw in a Southern accent? But I mean it, it only with respect. <laughs> and uh, I might be getting the wrong region, but uh, I try to get it right. And uh, I'm no expert, but I'm no Henry Higgins of the South. But, oh, Henry Higgins... Here I am talking about My Fair Lady and Pygmalion. I should really say Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw. Really geeking out now and probably boring half of you or more. Probably 75% of you or more with mentions like that. But uh, I want to talk about this other thing. Um, on WNYC, okay, 
As many of you can probably tell by my voice, I've listened to a lot of WNYC. <laughs> so uh, over the years, my mom uh, was always listening to it when I was growing up, and I picked up the habit. I was even a member for a while, but then I got all kinds of uh, mail so soliciting donations from other organizations, and I didn't like that my information had clearly been sold, and so I... Uh, stop supporting WNYC. And now I'm even more glad because really it's just another branch of the mainstream media that they make you pay for. It's part of the same team. I used to think they were independent and at some point they may have been more independent, but at this point I'm not convinced. Anyway, uh, NPR. I don't know. I'm talking about WNYC uh, a lot. I think I was talking about WNYC, but that is my local station the New York station, NYC, NPR is what I'm talking about, public radio, national public radio. So I've listened to a lot of national public radio throughout my life, up until pretty recently when I just got sick of, actually, a couple of years ago, before I even woke up to certain things, I already got sick of their tone, always being so... Uh, I don't know. It it just it was some something about it was insincere maybe, uh, uh, but insincerity is not nothing new. And in, in it's not like I demand sincerity from all of my media. I could settle for just good information, but even that, I guess, after hearing about so many studies that they keep reviewing in their silly little shows that try to pretend to cover groundbreaking evidence for things that we've known for thousands and thousands, if not millions of years, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, as, as science slowly catches up to nature and things we've known forever, but uh, here I am being sarcastic. That's not nice. That's just, that's bad vibes. That's bad. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry about the bad vibes, but this stuff can get me upset. Now, um, yeah, so this article, this is really a transcript of a little uh, six-minute listen about, uh, it's titled, Food World Ramps Up the War on Meat. The war on meat, folks. I recently heard someone saying there is no war on meat. Very chiding. There were, it, it was. I, I I knew they were talking to people like me and trying to insult people like me who literally say there is a war on meat because there is literally a war on meat, and here they are admitting it right here. I mean, I've shown you things from the World Economic Forum, and uh, you know, I forgot to show you who they team up with. I have to go back and and do that before I forget because I did forget, obviously. Uh, so. Let's go back and check, because I was making fun of Klaus Schwab. I had to do that. I mean, that awful, awful man. Uh, so let's see. Our mission careers. Oh, careers. <laughs> I got to look at that someday, just to look and laugh at uh, what kinds of little pawns are they hiring for there? What cogs and what cogs do they need? In the, okay, so um, I'm looking for, oh, there it is. Members and partners. This is a whole other area. Because they have three different okay okay i'm not gonna log in oh that's for logging in so where are i'm gonna find out okay 
Find out more about World Economic Forum. It's so hard to find out who their partners are, huh? Our partners. Wait, before that. So they say our partners on the World Economic Forum uh, website. World Economic Forum partners are leading global companies developing solutions to the world's greatest challenges. They are the driving force behind the forum's programs. They are the drive. Okay. What they're saying is private companies are the driving force behind the World Economic Forum's programs. Think of what that means. That means that they don't need any... I mean, it's centralized enough. Everyone has gathered around this think tank, as many people would call it, and I guess it is a think tank, but it's a think tank with real-life clear impact. And uh, so they're, they're saying that, yeah, it's private company, just like they're not mandating the vaccine, right? But they're trying to encourage private entities to require as they desire right it's all you know it's uh, like like uh, some libertarians say it's a private institution bro so you know a private company bro so you can't say anything right no no we can say something it, it if cuz think about some of these companies in fact there are just a few companies that really the main companies, right? The big companies, these multinational corporations that all, all boil down to just a few huge conglomerates. These are these, and those are the entities that are going to be deciding these things. And we can't have these huge, huge groups of companies demanding that we, but that's the plan is that we are squeezed into compliance because we're cornered. We think, well, I have to. I have to go to work. I. I. I want. I want to go to the the game. I, I want to, you know, whatever. I want to even, even visiting grandma. Right? People are thinking that they need to get vaccinated, but anyway, uh, like I said, I. Hey, now I'm risking. Now I'm risking being deplatformed. You know, they wouldn't cancel me for that, but they deplatform me for sure. So I have to be careful. Anyway, um, I even, I try to use the word jab, you know, all this self-censorship, you know, I feel like a, such a wimp when I do that, but it, there's, there's, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes we, we play along to get along and we have to decide how worth it is. Is it, how worth it is it for the given transgression of your principles? And yeah when I call it the jab and I dance around the issue, I, I uh, do feel some guilt and uh, you know, a little bit uh, disgusted with myself. <laughs> Maybe not disgusted with myself. I understand where I'm coming from here. I don't want to be kicked off. I, I could even be kicked off midstream. And people have, I think, experienced that. So it's just uh, the state of censorship. It's very insidious. So anyway, continuing with the World Economic Forum's partners, they, they say after pointing out that private companies are the driving force behind the forum's programs, they say our partners engage in forum platforms to shape the future, to shape the future, accessing networks and experts, experts, they love experts, to ensure strategic decision making on the most oppressing world issues. When they point out 
okay, accessing networks, that sounds to me like surveillance capitalism a bit, but or, or all this tracking that they want to do. Um, and experts definitely refers to this creepy thing. They, they've mentioned elsewhere on the World Economic Forum website how they plan to, for climate change, they plan to use a similar strategy that they've used for this whole pandemic. So they want to, uh, one of their, one of their points in that article was that they want to make sure we rely on experts and do what the experts say. And so that's what they're pointing to here is it's all part of this plan. They repeat these things. And once you read through these materials enough, you see the pattern and you see that it's all laid out. I mean, that's how I'm able to see the year 2030 mentioned in one article all the way over here. Uh, I mean, in Ag Week, it was a different article, but uh, yeah, the, that they even mentioned the year 2030. And I can already point to something from the World Economic Forum that I already know about, but I wouldn't know about it unless I looked it up. So it's we have to keep ourselves informed, I think, on, on these things, on certain things, in order to just be ready and take the actions we need to take. So... Uh, moving on, um, let's actually see who their partners are. I'm not going to look at all of them because there are too many. I mean, I think there's something for every single, yeah, every single letter of the alphabet, including their Norwegian O with this, I don't know how to, what you call that with the o, with the uh, strike through it. But um, yeah, that uh, Scandinavian O and the number three even. So yeah, the whole alphabet, and maybe not the whole alphabet, but anyway, does it matter? There are so many, and once you just start reading through, uh, a lot of them I, I wouldn't notice, but uh, or I wouldn't know, because uh, they are, even though they're huge companies, I'm sure a lot of them, huge companies, I mean, some of them are definitely going to be probably parts of other companies. I don't, I don't really know how all these things are broken down, but... It is a scary number of companies that are involved. And um, so Anheuser-Busch is one. So that's unexpected, right? So that's what you have to keep in mind. If you see a, a, a Budweiser commercial, I believe that's Anheuser-Busch, right? So um, you see a commercial for their beer, and that's a plant-based product, first of all. Um, not that that, may, that that does not make it an enemy. I'm not anti-beer, although I won't drink beer anymore because there's too many carbs and I get sick from alcohol now, unfortunately. I'm too pure. But uh, when you see those commercials, you have to keep in mind that they are part of an agenda. So it's not just that they're coming out of nowhere with uh, some... You know that they are trying to program you to be thirsty, to uh, uh, associate their brand with fun and all that kind of crap. But uh, you might not be aware that they could also be trying to work in some other agenda, like an anti-meat agenda, that they could be teaming... They are teaming up with the World Economic Forum... Part of the World Economic Forum's plan is to eliminate meat. So, I mean, in fact, I haven't even shown you that part. But, I, I mean, maybe I should. Um, oh, what am I opening up here? Uh, so, I mean, if you do a quick search on the World Economic Forum website for meat, just meat, simple, simple word, 
our favorite, but it's a simple four-letter word, a good four-letter word. And you get, as I've shown in a previous video, the future of protein, um, where they right away you see they're trying to blame uh, global livestock for 14.5% of all anthropogenic emissions, uh, which means man-made pollution. Uh, so meet meet the future is a whole series on the world economic forum website meet the m-e-a-t the future m-e-a-t colon the future and the, and a whole series on what they plan on doing with meat um, don't you have plans with meat too like eating it and continuing continuing to eat meat throughout the rest of your life that's not their plan at the very least they plan on reducing it because Oh, a new report says we should tax meat eaters like smokers. That's from 2018, but um, uh, 2020, when will, be, when will we be eating lab-grown meat, they ask. And anyway, you can look at the, I'm just showing you, you can look for yourself. It's all there that they want to get rid of animal agriculture. They're blaming animal agriculture on uh, all kinds of problems and... They are trying to uh, encourage us to eat things like uh, 3D printed steak to switch away from meat. How about a 3D printed steak, they say. So that's from 2020. Um, yeah, this I, <laughs> my pacing is, is off now and, and I'm, I'm getting grumpy over this. So uh, and I know I closed something I was I yeah, I closed that World Economic Forum uh tab so let me see if i can find it again all right i have to open it up again so let's just go back to <laughs> the world economic forums oh no there it is i hope i'm in the right window okay i'm <laughs> it looks like i'm in the right window so and i see there's some chatting so i'm gonna check out the actually i'll stop and, and look at the chat because i'm looking at the these partners there's so many of them so and I have, oh, hey, Waniac sent a super chat, a super sticker. Cool. Hey, thanks, Waniac. Much appreciated. Uh, and uh, so let's see. Z8 says, yeah, true. Carlin would just say, screw you. And and uh, Joey is definitely uncancelable. Yeah. Um, and hi from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I got eyes on, on Florida. Witty got homes. Hey, Witty, you got a home for me? Because <laughs> uh, that's it's, it's in your name. I don't know. Anyone not watching or not in the chat might not see that. But yes, Witty got home, says hi from Fort Lauderdale. And hello. I'm still thinking about Florida, but I am so attached to being up north. I'm still thinking about New Hampshire, maybe moving to, uh, you know, somewhere where I can be part of the, uh, what do you, that, that uh, free state project, the free state project. This is part of what the, the kinds of things we need to do. To I keep talking about the problems. One of the solutions, move, move somewhere where it's safer, healthier, uh, freer. New Hampshire has its faults, but there's a strong liberty-minded network. You don't have to be a libertarian. You just have to believe in liberty. So they have the Free State Project. Liberty lives in New Hampshire. Join thousands of freedom-loving people like you. And 
uh, one of you, one of you out there told me about this. And, uh, I, ever since I've been excited about the possibility of joining this, uh, one of these communities or joining this network. So yeah, they, they have, a uh, let's see, 5,223 free staters already in New Hampshire, 560 Liberty meetups per year. And nine, almost 20,000 additional participants have pledged to move there. And you may see another added to that number, depending on what I end up deciding after I figure out what to do with the house here. So, um, as many of you know, I recently moved to my um, mom's house in uh, Queens, New York, my um, deceased mom. She passed away last year during the lockdowns. And I do blame the lockdowns in part because she was locked inside. And so I say the lockdowns did help to kill my mom. And I will never forgive the idiots, the tyrants who decided that we needed to do that stupid, stupid crap that did not even help. All right. So uh, where was I? Um... I was on the World Economic Forum. Actually, I was going to check out the chat because there's a lot of chat action going on. Thanks again to Waniac for that cool sticker. And I've got something here from Tyler. Tyler, what's up, meat tards? Sorry I'm late. Brought my spinach dip. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't cancel Tyler, guys. He's just joking around. Carlin was more philosopher than comedian. Yeah, you know... Looking back, I've I've noticed there are a lot of things where he's not even really that funny. I, I, I'm still, I'm shaking my head, I'm nodding, or maybe uh, chuckling in agreement or disbelief. But yeah, there are many, especially later Carlin, he's just laying it out there. And um, yeah, I don't think he was joking a lot of the time. I think he was just laying out his problems with society and and that was it. He was complaining really loudly, and he was brilliant at it. Such a writer, and I just—he was a poet, a poet. I tell you, he was a, a philosopher and a poet and a comedian because he was hilarious. Even though, like I was saying many times, he was just not. <laughs> sometimes he just wasn't funny, especially when you look back. Um, he was just telling the truth and very potently. It was certainly impressive. It made a very strong impression. And uh, so uh, Tyler is saying, uh, like Walmart, singling out a group of uh, people according to race or ethnicity or whatever, but it's okay because they're private. Right. Going back to the uh, private entity concern that, um, you know, how we're we're being pushed into doing a lot against our will by private entities that are allowed to set their own rules, sure, but we also have our autonomy and the right to say no. Uh, I, I feel like I'm getting into some issues where I can easily um, get a strike, so I'm going to take it easy there, but um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joaquim says, look up the meaning of attrition. Yes, I, I keep forgetting the meaning of it, the exact meaning of attrition. I, I always understand the basic, um, 
So I'm just going to look up the actual a rubbing away or wearing down by friction, a gradual reduction in number or strength because of stress or military action. Uh, yeah, just things dying off the, through, the, through the process of, uh, yeah, through, through, through process, things that things happen, stress, wear and tear in any system will lead to, I suppose, uh, attrition of one way of one kind or another. And, um, I'm not sure exactly in what context you mentioned that Joaquin, but I certainly see it as a relevant concept overall. Um, I, I think that may be, a, again, part part of a, a plan that by even mentioning it, I I'm concerned about a potential depopula- depopulation agenda, and uh, yeah, I stumble saying that because that's something that it, it sound makes you sound like a whack job, but. Here I am typing in population in World Economic Forum's website. What will the world population look like in 2100? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Global population. I'm not sure exactly where they are on population, but I do know that uh, you see things like creepy things with, say, Bill Gates uh, saying that um, the population at some point looked like it was going to explode, but he said that if we are good enough with things like vaccines, we can get the number of people down. He said, "Look that up." I I don't know. I I, I don't. Know, maybe someone can find that, but it's really creepy. Uh, uh, Bill Gates uh, depopu. Yeah, I mean it'll. The, that <laughs> you start typing that in and it populates itself. Bill Gates depopul the Bill Gates depopulate. Okay, so that was a bit of a tongue twister. Bill Gates depopulation, um, and you get people saying, "Does Bill Gates have a point?" With oh wow, wait, I th- I expected to see something <laughs> about. Oh my goodness. So, you know, you see a bunch of stuff about um, conspiracy theories when you search for things like that. But, um, yeah, the fact is, I mean, think about it. Bill Gates wanted to block out the sun, and I think he's still up to that somewhat. I think he might still want to help block out the sun, the life-giving sun that our ancestors worshipped because it was that many people still worship because it gives us life. Wow. I mean, you don't block the sun. You don't block the sun. You stop eating seed oils and sugars that make you more vulnerable to sunburn and cancer. How about that? But no, they want to push the seed oils. They want to push the sugar. And you end up getting sick and thinking that you have to protect yourself when all you've poisoned yourself. And that's the problem. They're always creating problems and then selling you a solution that doesn't, I mean, I don't know if they always create more problems, but the solutions certainly can create more problems. Like right now, I think they're creating a lot of problems with the solutions that the so-called solutions that they've been enforcing for over a year now, lots of harm, completely unaddressed. I mean, every now and then they'll give lip service to, 
concerns uh, and, and they'll start loosening things up here and there. But the fact is, every bit of loosening of restrictions that they could that they're doing now is something they could have done from the beginning. They didn't have to do any of this. So that's my that's my position at this point. It's all poppycock. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying not to say BS without censoring my... A lot of self-censorship going on here, huh? But it's all the stay... I mean, I'm trying to be polite in this case and not use too many obscenities, but... Um, okay, yeah, I almost switched over to something that I... Uh, I never even got to finish. I'm going to finish ta- uh, looking at the, the live chats here. So... Um, Tyler says, Michael Anthony, check out this, well, check this NYT article, New York Times article that just came out today, a misleading CDC number. Okay. Basically they lied again. Of course they lied again. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this up. Um, what was it? Uh, a misleading, a misleading number. Now, let's see what it says. All right. Came out 11 hours ago as of this stream. And I think that I do have access to this. It says it's from the morning newsletter, the New York Times. We have a special edition of the newsletter on a misleading CDC statistic. So... Okay, again, the title of the article is A Misleading CDC Number, Center of Disease, Centers of Disease Control. So it's by David Leonhardt from today. When the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released new guidelines last month for mask wearing, it announced that less than 10% of COVID-19 transmission was occurring outdoors. Mm-hmm. We knew that from the beginning. Anyway, media organ media organizations repeated this statistic, and it quickly became a standard description of the frequency of outdoor transmission. But the number is almost certainly misleading. Okay. It appears to be based partly on a misclassification of some COVID transmission that actually took place in enclosed spaces. Misclassification, that's going on left and right. All right, so nothing new there. Um... So as they explain below, an even bigger issue is the extreme caution of CDC officials who picked a benchmark 10% so high that nobody could reasonably dispute it. That benchmark seems to be a huge exaggeration as Dr. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, Mujsevic, that's one of those names that brings out my inner Jerry Lewis. I want to say Sevic. So Dr. Mujsevic a virologist at the University of St. Andrews, I'm sorry if, if I yelled, but anyway, I, I, I love doing that voice, um, said, uh, that's what, he, okay, so yeah, that's what uh, Dr. Savick said. In truth, the share of transmission that has occurred outdoors seems to be below 1%, <laughs> below 1%, and maybe below 0.1%. My fellow New Yorkers, I see you walking around with your masks on, alone in the suburbs even. It's crazy. It's crazy. We've been conditioned. I haven't been. I've been uncomfortable this whole time, and when I reluctantly wear it, I tend to chin diaper it. 
couple of times in stores I've been you know, uh, uh, grumbled at by an employee, just a couple, literally a couple. And I, uh, Sir, don't forget your mask. And I try to ignore or whatever. But anyway, so I'm getting off point here. But uh, now let's see what the... So, yeah, yeah, outdoors, um, especially outdoors, it's ridiculous. We've known forever that it was spreading indoors, if anything. That's that's how contagion spreads is in, in enclosures. How difficult is that to conceptualize? We would, If we wanted to make something more contagious, let's not get into that whole Wuhan lab theory, but um, if we wanted to make something more contagious uh, without doing gain-of-function research, um, uh, we would enclose ourselves with the contagion or enclose whatever we wanted to the host with we would enclose the host the intended host within that it makes perfect sense fresh air you're safe fresh air and that's miraculous that's wonderful and that shows that sending people home from the beach arresting people on the beach arresting people for being on the beach it's criminal because it was saving lives and not to mention the vitamin d from being out in the sunshine as long as Bill Gates lets us have the sunshine. Thank you, Bill. Oh, there I go being sarcastic again. I better look at the chats again to ground myself in some good vibes, because you, you guys are always cool. Let's see here. And thank you, Tyler, for uh, sending or pointing that article out. Uh, yeah, um... So, uh, I, I don't know if I should finish <laughs> looking through it. These points, I can't get through an article, folks. I get so mad at the very beginning, and I can go on forever just from one little, like I told you, from the very beginning. I don't need a bunch of these stories. I can go on from just one thing and just rant forever. But I love showing you, being able to actually show you what I'm talking about instead of just talking out of my tuchus, and maybe you don't believe me. Here it is. We can't deny it. And uh, I don't often get into these numbers and everything because, quite frankly, most people who've been getting in the most trouble with censorship are the ones who are backing up their in, their their claims the most. So they'll present information, but then they'll include links. They'll show you the numbers. They'll show you the charts and how things aren't matching up with what the media is telling you, how it's all being gamed to make things seem much worse than they are and that the wonderful news the wonderful beautiful life-saving news is that things are much better than we thought but um yeah the fear is being perpetuated by the lying media i'm getting off topic again but so yeah um anyway thanks tyler for sending this uh, article and I encourage everyone to read through it, read through all of these things. Check out the World Economic Forum's website. Check out all the, the NPR, all these things that I've been pointing out. Uh, it's important to just see it for yourself if you don't believe it yet. You know, If you think I'm crazy, if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist, which the latest conspiracy theory is that the term conspiracy theory was invented by the FBI to make anyone who questioned the mainstream narrative look like a whack job. And I think it's worked pretty well. What about you? Now anyone labeled a conspiracy theorist is now um, at risk of being deplatformed for spreading misinformation and causing vaccine hesitancy. We are becoming part of a... We've just been volunteered for 
the largest marketing campaign ever. And it's aimed at us. It's so bizarre. Bizarre. Clown world. <laughs> Many of us call it clown world, and it is. But I like clowns, so I don't like to... Just like... I don't like to to call people... I don't like to insult people, like say, oh, don't be such a pig. I, I love pigs. I mean, they taste delicious, but I, I respect them. I, um, I respect all animals. So, uh, yeah, I, you know... I wouldn't say that I used to be a fat cow. Uh, I would just say that I used to be fat, you know? And also, fat is not an insult. It's just a description. Like my mom used to say. My mom, look, it was just Mother's Day, and it was tough for me because, you know, it's my first Mother's Day without mom. And uh, she actually asked me once, Do you, are you ashamed of uh, your fat mom? No, I wasn't. I loved my fat mom. And she called herself fat. So I'm saying that in part to sound humorous, give you a chuckle, just for how wrong that sounds. But she would say to her students, she was a school teacher, uh, and she was teaching fourth grade at the end there. Um, and um, she would say or admit to her students that she was fat as um, and she was technically obese. She was a, a large, beautiful woman, but very large. So um, she, uh, her students would say, you're not fat. And she said, yeah, I am. It's just a, a word. It's just a description. And now I'm a little skinny. And that bothered I mean, I don't know. It, it didn't bother me that much being fat, but it bothers me more being uh being kind of skinny in some ways. I mean, not health-wise, I'm great, so I'm happy about that. I'm, I don't regret being skinny, but uh, yeah, now I'm. Yeah, I, it revealed my slender frame being so so much lighter after I lost about eighty pounds on a carnivore diet. Just revisiting my story there, but um, yeah, the rest of this story I'm sure goes on to just explain how all these numbers have been. Not to mention the numbers for, okay, I didn't finish that sentence. All these numbers have been manipulated, gamed. Uh, the statistics are twisted around to make things, it's all marketing to make us scared. So the numbers themselves really don't justify any of this draconian, totalitarian madness. So it's important to look at what the actual numbers are, and I show them to you. But like I said, that often gets people deplatformed, and I don't like to focus that much on all of these things because it's a moving target that doesn't matter all that much in the end. No matter what they do or say, it's all going to come down to us putting our feet down as Americans, as humans on this planet not just Americans, my, I, I, as I, when I said humans, I'm talking about humans all over the world. And even in outer space, if you happen to be in outer space, put your foot down. And, it, of course, people are saying that there's nobody in outer space. Another conspiracy, right? But anyway, but you got to put your foot down. At some point, you got to stop. You can pay attention to the news. Know, know what's coming. But don't get too wrapped up in it. Keep focus on, like I said earlier, you want to keep an eye on what their goals are so that you know what to be ready for, but you also have to keep an eye on what your goals are. Those are even more important. Those are the principles. That's the foundation of your life. And by having that, that why, that reason, knowing why you do what you do and how you want to do it, 
and how you must do it. That that's what's going to keep you going, and that's what's going to save save you in the end. I think that's my plan is to. I have my principles, and I will not back down. I will not submit. I will not comply. And um, come what may, like I said, even if they come ding-donging at my front door and try to wake me, I will not comply. And that's what we have to do, is refuse wholeheartedly without stinting. Of course, now they're going to uh, accuse me of inciting something. I'm, I'm simply suggesting that we remain free, peaceful, free individuals. And that if someone comes at you, not in the spirit of peace, but in the spirit of belligerence and uh, coercion, that you have every right to resist with all of the power required. That's all I'm saying. Like measure. Okay, so again, I encourage everyone to check out that article. Thanks again to Tyler for pointing it out. Z8. Z8 says, I like how most of us goth and punk kids were just seen as following a clothing trend, and now we're the adults seeing through the matrix. (laughs) Yeah. Forever against the grain. Oh, there's so much I like about that comment. For one thing, one of my favorite, in fact, my favorite novel is called Against the Grain by Joris Karl Huismann. And it's a really obscure title. Um, it's called The Bible of Decadence. Now, I, I fell in love with this book as a teenager. And uh, there are still reasons I love it. But it's definitely, it's about this character who's too tightly wound and obsessive and uh, highly aesthetic. He's, he's very, very artistic and, and he creates an environment. He makes a, a home that is a kind of like a, his defense against the modern world, right? He, it's a, for, a fortress of, of a, a, a aesthetic delights. Uh, he, he made sure he painted the rooms, all the colors, different colors to match different moods. And he uh, even... All kinds of things, these crazy schemes that he had, to uh, novelties that he came up with to entertain his jaded senses as he's this um, aristocratic figure from a a dying family. He's the last one left and uh, there's nothing left in him but but all of these, these cultural sensitivities and it, it's interesting looking back, especially now that I have new viewpoints. Uh, I mean, I got into this book 20 years ago. So um, to analyze it now, I mean, I've read it since for the most part, I just love the use of language. It's so rich in its use of language and metaphor. And that's one of the elements of the decadent literary movement, which is one of my favorite topics that I will not bore you with right now. If you want, we can talk about it another time. But hey, I thought that would be a nice break from all the news talk. To uh, And other things I like about your comment, Z8. Yeah, goth. And I, um, I was just uh, in the park listening to the Misfits, so I guess I'm still a little punk too. Um, 
So yeah, we were seeing this as following a, a clothing trend. And uh, yeah, in the 90s, um, I used to, back before, before the infamous trench coat mafia, right, from Columbine, the Columbine shooting, I used to wear, I was so goth that I was already wearing a black trench coat to school. And uh, I was in high school at the time. And um, that was around, yeah, 2001. So, um, or 2000 or whatever. Anyway, the, the late 90s and all that and the early uh, 2000s. So, uh, yeah, that's, um, and that's also when the Matrix came out. And I saw that on the last day of school one year. The last day, and I was in high school still. Uh, where am I? I? I think I had my black trench coat before I saw the movie. So later on, everyone was calling me Morpheus. And uh, boy, oh boy. Because I did, I started shaving my head bald when I was a teenager. And so uh, there I was. A bald black guy with a black trench coat. And thus I was Morpheus. Yeah. Anyway, I don't even wear sunglasses. But it was fun. I never got offended, but it got tired after a while. So, um, yeah, Witty Got Homes says absurd. I'm not sure exactly what that refers to, but I'm sure I agree. Howley Boy says the most terrifying words in the English language. I'm from the government and I'm here to help or something like that. And pretty sure that's it word for word. Yes, Howley Boy, uh... Yeah, the government, when the government tries to help, that's a that's always a problem. We should become more self-sufficient. We are meant to be more self-sufficient, but we've been trained out of it by, like me, right? I'm taking driving lessons. I mean, I, I, I just got a scooter because I love, I have fun with scooters. And so I just got an electric scooter and, uh, uh, I was just out having having a blast, you know, in the in the sunshine, uh, riding around, blasting the misfits, like I said. And um, so, uh, but as fun as it is, uh, the only reason I ever got a scooter is that I live in the city. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't know the delights of a scooter. I could because why, why would I need one, right? Um, it's only in the city where I have to wait for trains and buses, and it's um, you know easier not to drive even if you have a driver's license and many of us don't even get driver's licenses because we've lived in new york city our whole lives and we don't need driving in new york city in fact it's usually easier to, to even if you would get there faster with a car sometimes there's no parking so it's tough driving in new york and uh, there are people who they get a scooter and they stop using a, a car altogether i mean i was going through reddit and some uh, maybe you should i shouldn't judge uh, life decisions on, on people from Reddit, but I'm on Reddit. So, uh, and someone was saying that once they got a scooter, they just sold their car and they'll rent a car if they need one. So, I, hey, I'm having fun with it. But, uh, wow, why am I, I? I was talking about the Matrix and I went all the way to scooters, but hey, or, and then, oh no, we're talking about the government. Yeah, I have a scooter because I'm reliant on the city. I'm a city boy through and through. You're Howley boy and I'm city boy. It's uh, it's a problem that I'm trying to get out of. And like I said, I, I can't even sell this house yet. I'm still working on some paperwork stuff, um, de dealing with the the courts, the New York State courts. Uh, and so, 
It's just dragging along, dragging, dragging along. But it gives me more time to at least prepare the house for sale. And in the meantime, house prices are going up. Hopefully I can sell it for more and get a nicer cabin in the woods or cabin in New Hampshire, whatever I do. It's a little place. I just need a little place where I'm allowed to hunt for food and fish because we need to be more self-sufficient. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here. And that's something that someone like the, uh, I guess you can call him the protagonist of Against the Grain, uh, Des Essentes, uh, he's, he's effete. He's, he's th- this um, very, uh, a, a very feminized man. Okay, I, I, I don't want to sound um, sexist, but um, I believe <laughs> masculine is masculine, feminine is feminine. People can be uh, along a spectrum of, of uh, masculine and feminine, but um, those are endpoints along that spectrum, I, I strongly believe. So I will say, he, um, yeah, the, uh, that's something that's happening even now, that you, there's an, I think we're being encouraged to be feminized as men, uh, even fed soy to make us more effeminate. I mean, look up soy estrogenic because, and you see estrogenic effect popped up when I started typing that. Um, soy is Harvard says soy is unique in that it contains a high concentration of isoflavone isoflavone that sounds like something another jerry lewis things isoflavones a type of plant estrogen phytoestrogen that is similar in function to human estrogen but with much weaker effects okay sure yeah you always got to point out how weak it is oh yeah there are barely any side and barely any side effects right don't worry about it the benefits outweigh the risks they say Meanwhile, you're eating hormones. I mean, I ha- I have a trans friend who refuses to take to eat soy because it messes with her hormones. I mean, naturally, and and th- this is someone who is you know who transitioned from male to female, and so keep in mind that's still bad for her, and, and she's eating estrogen you would think that a woman ingesting estrogen wouldn't be a problem women whether they're cisgender or whatever they all are at risk just like men of experiencing hormonal disruptions from soy so it's something to keep in mind um i wonder if i'm am i getting off topic again i always have to ask myself that because i'm always always going off on tangents but I'll get back to the chat here. James says, Hello, Michael. I'm glad I got a chance to listen live for a minute at last break here at work. I work for a, uh, for a monster. Craft Foods. Rawr. Yeah, that is a monster, all right. I remember, oh, man. I, I grew up on their stuff, you know, including their, their, uh, their mac and cheese, you know. Um, I remember there's this old... Um, uh, mac and cheese commercial uh it was a, a little boy singing the blues yeah i guess that's it uh if you see it on the video um and he, he's 
it, it's it's absurd. I, I just think back to that. He's he's singing a, a blues song about Kraft macaroni and cheese, and all I can think about now is how yeah, um, it did give me the blues, right? I mean, it contributed to my depression by uh, making me obese and screwing with my um, my, my endocrine system. I, I was on uh, that that. Uh, I was on that insulin roller coaster, as I like to call it, uh, up and down, up and down, destroying my body. Uh, yeah, getting sicker and sicker over time. Uh, and depression, chronic depression, clinical depression was something that lifted once I went carnivore pretty quickly in a way that I didn't even notice. I just, one day I just realized, wow, I'm not depressed. A lot of you know that story, but I like to think back and appreciate that. Excuse me. I have to drink some water. So let's get back to the chat. Witty says, Witty got homes, says, I understand. South Florida is liberal, so I left NYC to move to the same garbage. Oh, man. Only difference is getting plenty of sunshine. Good. Yeah, you know, I thought about it, and I looked up a map of uh, the most, um, uh, like, let's see, it was a Florida political map. It's kind of chilly here in this room, so my fingers are freezing up. It was a little t getting tougher to type. It's weird. Okay, uh, I don't know why it's so chilly. I, I, I guess it's, it's only May, but... Um, I'm also in the basement. I set up a studio here in the basement of this house, and it's colder down here, which is going to be good in the summer. Although I do need an air conditioner for this studio, especially if we're going to do live streams. If I'm even here in the summer, right? But I, I should, I might be in the, here in the summer. So let's see. The uh, yeah, I think I looked at this map of. Uh, Maybe not this map, but yeah, you look at the, there's a, a wide range of different political affiliations across Florida. And no matter where you go, you go to tech, even Texas has Austin, which is very blue. So every state is a little purple in some way, even if it looks pure, like my state looks like it's pure blue, but there's a little bit of red there. I'm not a Republican, but um, they lump me right in with them. So I don't care if I'm lumped in with them at this point. If, I, if I'm if i not lumped in with the tyrants who are shutting down our lives. Let's see what, what else you guys are saying here in the chat. Um, James says, hello, Michael. I'm, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You said you, you, you mentioned being... I, I guess I missed Witty's uh, comment before about being in, um, yeah, about the Florida problem, how there are still very liberal areas in Florida. And when I looked up where my, my have rel I have relatives, Puerto Rican relatives living down there, and uh, they live in a liberal, a liberal area, I found. So um, I, uh, I thought, well, I can't, I can't go to their um, district or whatever you call it. Um, but I'll, I, hopefully I'll be nearby so I can visit, but I'm not going to stay there if I go to Florida. Uh, I'll just visit. Um, thank you, Viol, for the, the hearts. Uh, 
Um, I yeah. So yeah, I was talking about the Kraft macaroni and cheese and that, that commercial. That's what you uh, that's what you got me talking about, James. But um, <laughs> Kraft Foods. That's that is a monster. I wonder. Uh, you know, we, we we got off the whole World Economic Forum thing, and maybe you were happy about that. But um, I would like to know. Does the World Economic Forum uh, actually work with them? So let's see. Kraft Foods. Kraft Foods. <clears throat> the World Economic Forum would like to thank the following. Wow. So, the World Economic Forum would like to thank Etna. Booze and Company. I, I don't think it's that kind of booze. Berta Media. Clapper, okay, a bunch of... The Coca-Cola Company. Keep an eye on them. It's not just Anheuser-Busch. You know, I started talking about one of the of their uh, global partners, the World Economic Forum, Forum's uh, partners in crime. Uh, and... I can't even I can't even get through that list. You know, I can't get through an article, I can't get through a list because it's so infuriating. Can But um okay, so yeah, Ernst and Young, uh who else Kraft Foods. Kraft Foods. Um who else are they thanking here? Uh no one else that I recognize, but it's a long list. And, and uh let's see. So they're uh huh. So this is for um, their invaluable support of the Women Leaders and Gender Parity Program and this report. So what is the report? The Gender Gap Report, as it says in the uh, the title bar. So, well, not the title, the the URL. So it's uh, yeah, the Gender Gap. Uh, again, they they'll take very noble ideas like of course gender equality who doesn't want that when i was a little boy when i was a little boy i used to love calling myself a feminist i would say i'm a feminist you know uh you know i guess this seem uh maybe impress people because it was you know, made me look good right you're a feminist you're wow what a good good uh, young man you are but um uh i meant it but i meant it in the sense of gender equality at the time when I was, let's see, this would have been the late 80s, I felt that, yeah, uh, women were uh, expected to be kind of subservient and gender roles were a little too harshly regulated, right? Or, you know, so, yeah, I, I believe in live and let, everyone should have the equal opportunity. That does not guarantee, that does not guarantee equality of outcome, but equality of opportunity, I believe in wholeheartedly. And um, so anyway, I'm going off here, but um, I wonder if did I upset anybody with that? But I, I, I don't think I should have, as I believe in gender equality. If you're against that, I'm against you. So <laughs> whatever. Um, but let's see. Uh, what do they say about Coca-Cola? Just going on and on. Okay. Through the world's largest beverage distribution system, consumers in more than 200 countries enjoy the company's beverage at a rate of nearly 1.6 billion servings a day. 
of course, the serving size, especially in America. Americans tend to have um, <laughs> several servings, as I used to. So um, I, I certainly have several servings of meat these days. So uh, what else do they say about it? Um, oh, and don't forget, Coca-Cola includes Diet Coke, Fanta, or Fanta, Sprite, Coca-Cola Zero, Vitamin Water, Powerade, Minute Maid, that's all those juices, and Georgia Coffee. I've never even heard of that, but maybe it's only in Georgia. Nah. Uh, so um, that would make sense. I have family in Georgia, too. I don't plan on moving there, though. I, I don't know. Something about it is just too off to me. Maybe the, the CDC is located there, right? I don't, I don't want to be around them. Be, I don't want to be around Fauci. I say, I, you should move to an area where... Uh, ah, screw Fauci. I hate that guy. How's my impression? I'm, I've been working on my Fauci. But anyway, um, yeah, okay. So um, I wanted to just look at this fine print here about Coca-Cola. With an enduring commitment to building sustainable communities. Not another one of those buzzwords they love to use. Sustainable communities. Because their definition of sustainable is not the natural way, the way we want to do it. Their sustainable is limiting our lives. That There is abundance out there that we could all definitely share if only we would get out of their systems, out of their factory farming, out of their... Uh, factory health honestly the healthcare system is just industrialized at this point poison wow one thing i keep forgetting to mention all these things i have to keep mentioning or i keep remembering that i keep that i don't mention but uh how is my grammar there geez anyway um so medical error is one of the leading causes of death one of the leading causes of death. I'm looking at it um, to see actual information. Okay, wow. This is a little old, but I mean, it should never be the case. Um, medical error, the third leading cause of death in the United States. This is from 2016, not very long ago, folks. And it's still a very high on the list wherever it is now it's high on the list and and another thing that i keep forgetting to mention is that the cdc is revising the um the number of cycles right that they're 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 low they're recalibrating how they tally the the reports so now they're getting more specific and they're acknowledging the uh, false positives a little more, a lot more. And they are <laughs> uh, planning to to only only report um, breakthrough cases that are um, that that in which someone is hospitalized and dies. So if they just die but were never hospitalized. Um, you're not going to know, um, it, uh, including after the jab. This is important, after the jab. Um, and anyway, I could go on and on about this stuff. But uh, yeah, the, 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 the PCR test cycle threshold, um, that is what we have to keep an eye on. They are now being more careful 
with their reporting, the way they should have been all along. And it's showing that the numbers are improving. What do you know? It's not because things are... Some of it's because the weather is better, but um, and people get less sick when the weather's better because they're out in the sunshine more, and they, I don't know. It, it's multiple things, but and they're out outside more, so they're exposed to uh, less of uh, few, fewer pathogens or uh, less. You know, they talk about viral load, and so the density of the pathogen is certainly diluted by all that fresh air, meaning possibly less than zero point one percent transmission, possibly which would be nothing, statistically zero, which, by the way, also applies to children, which are now being, uh, children are now being ingested, inject, ingested. Uh, oh, my goodness. Injected. It feels like they're being ingested because they're, their health and safety is being jeopardized by this monster. This I, I like monsters in some ways, so I don't like to insult monsters either, just like I don't like to insult animals, but dang it, these people are monsters in the, the worst kind of way. And uh, it, it really makes me sad. I, 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 don't, I, I feel like I get right up to, the, to my limits when it comes to seeing children in masks and hearing that children every time they say that this or that age group is now approved for the not approved um approval has nothing to do with this folks um but uh uh that they have extended or rather uh it's all emergency youth emergency use authorization no approval it's still these vaccines have not been approved it's, they're still under emergency use authorization. So, and they haven't been tested, right? I mean, that's why it's an emergency, right? Emergency use because they, otherwise they couldn't, and there's no reason for it because, do you know that emergency use authorization is only supposed to be used when there is no alternative available? And now there, there always have been alternatives available. If you happened to get sick, which was always still a slim chance, but if you did happen to get sick, there were treatments and they were withheld for political reasons. And they're still being discouraged for political reasons. Your lives are not being valued by your governments. So do, what, do what's right for you. Don't let them tell you what to do because they are not looking out for your best interests. It's up to you. It's up to you. This is your decision, whether or not you're a slave or free at this point. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to try to wrap up soon because I, but I, I do, I wanted to get to a couple of other points, but yeah. So basically my point here with the CDC, the, the PCR test thing was that they're adjusting, they're changing, like the numbers from the very beginning were off completely off. I mean, by just unimaginable, unimaginable numbers because of the, of course, I'm look, I'm, I'm not saying I know the stuff for sure, but by their own admission, there were plenty of false positives over. I mean, I think there was the cycle threshold was supposed to be under 20 and we've been doing over 40. So that magnet, every time, every cycle, 
for those of you who don't know, you're you're magnifying, you're increasing uh, the 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 number of times you're you're magnifying this data to the point where you can end up finding more. Uh, you're more likely to find something, right? So, and the more likely, the more you find at that extreme magnification, the more likely it's a false positive, and. And that's a huge problem. I've even heard that false negatives can come from that system. So it's just all screwy. And the PCR test uh, was not meant to diagnose anything. I mean, uh, who was the inventor? Uh, Carrie Mullis. Carrie Mullis, who unfortunately died in 2019, uh, just before all, and a little before all this kicked off. But uh, Carrie Banks Mullis, uh, Carrie Banks Mullis uh, was a bio an American biochemist, and he developed the PCA, the polymerase chain reaction technique. He was a Nobel Prize winner, and he said that the PCR test was not meant to diagnose anything. This has been misused from the very beginning, and now this focus on cases is absurd, because. this whole asymptomatic spread myth pay attention to just how insanely there's no way that they admit any of this was wrong no matter what they find a way to justify it and to tell you that the risks outweigh the benefits and that uh, for the, the the jab and that i mean isn't that your decision don't you decide whether the risks you weigh that decision yourself they're telling you. They're telling you. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. We know it's good. I mean, I've heard stories of people getting chastised by their doctors. Their doctors get a tone with them over this stuff to say, no, no, no. We know it's good. We know it's good. So they're awfully defensive because it doesn't make sense. And so once you start pointing out the, the flaws in the logic, because it's highly illogical it all starts to fall apart and and that's why people get deplatformed for showing the actual information because it pokes too many real holes in the narrative and shows that we're not a bunch of conspiracy theorists that are just nuts and making stuff up or just paranoid and and living in some kind of scary fantasy land we don't want this fan this is not our fantasy we want to live in in peace and prosperity no matter what our diet is so getting back to the npr thing while i wrap this up um you you see the uh yeah food world ramps up the war on meat as i said earlier there is truly a war on meat and so they spoke with mark bitman what was mark bitman's uh uh Bark. I almost typed in Bark Mittman. Okay, Mark Mittman. Um, mostly plants. His uh, his little quote. Um, eat 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 good food. Right? What was it? Eat good. F- I'm trying to find the exact quote so that I don't. Um, but it's pretty much something like eat good food, uh, not too much mostly plants that might be it word for word i can't seem to find it but um unless it's on the screen and i'm missing it but yeah so mark bitman 
an author. I, figure, I don't know what else he does. Uh, I guess a food expert, whatever. I think he works for uh, somebody. So, uh, yeah, he, he's always been a plant-based guy, encouraging mostly plants. But I think he's also encouraged eating a bit of meat here and there. You know, I think he's written cookbooks and stuff like that. Or he, I don't think he's been anti-meat, but he's been, uh, you know, encouraging us to eat mostly plants, which is clearly not what I do or most of uh, the people who regularly listen, regularly, regularly listening to me. Wow, I'm I'm developing an accent and a, <laughs> and a speech impediment. But um, in this, I'm not going to play it or anything, but in this uh, little uh, six-minute segment, Michelle Martin, uh, the host, is talking to Mark Bittman about, uh, yeah, the, just with the impact of meat on the environment. So, or rather, um, I don't want to read all this stuff, but I do want to say, read this part from Bittman. Uh, he says, um, so Martin asks, how much impact does beef have on climate change and the planet or maybe meat more broadly? Could you just tell us the baseline there? And Bittman says, first of all, separating the environmental impact of animal products from climate change is kind of tricky. And separating the impact of agriculture from fossil fuel production, since agriculture is so fossil fuel reliant, is also tricky. But it is safe to say that agriculture in general, and animal production in particular, and most particularly beef, so in, sort of in that cascading order, are huge contributors to climate change. <laughs> and the production of beef alone generates around, and a real broad, around 10% of our total greenhouse gases. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's real broad. The most honest numbers that I've seen uh, from the EPA, I believe it was, uh, about 4%. Uh, I, I wonder if I can still find that. Uh, EPA animal... I'm, I'm losing my... I'm, getting, I'm developing finger dyslexia here. Uh, animal... Um, not waste, uh, pollution. So, I don't know, it's, it's hard to find, know how to search for things, especially when you're trying to uh, not create too much dead air here. So, um, yeah, a agricultural animal production. I, I've seen, I, I've looked through the information in the past. I, don't, I have to pull it up. Maybe I'll look it over in another stream or another video, but... The um, yeah the the government itself will tell you that the numbers are not that dramatic, and even if they were, it would probably be because of uh, factory farming <laughs> again, you know, and also transportation. It's huge. Transportation is probably the biggest, and so think about the transportation required for a meat-based diet. If you eat local, like I I try to eat local, so. I get most of my meat shipped from uh, uh, Pennsylvania these days. So um, that's not very far away. And that requires less fuel than an avocado from Mexico. I'm walking around New York. I look at the avocados. They're from Mexico. That's a lot of fuel, folks. And also, it's not great for uh, the, the potency of any 
vitamins that might be in there. I mean, avocados are not the worst, right? So you want your avocado fresh. But um, yeah, all that fuel, you got to think about it. And of course, you know, you've got uh, John Kerry flying around, but but that the, I think he said that's the only way for someone like him to fly. Even if he's the, the climate czar, he, he can't be just taking regular airplanes with everyone, all, all of us in, infected, disgusting plebs. No. So yeah, can you blame him? Can you blame him? Can you blame any of them? I mean, look, the fact is, there's a new aristocracy that's trying to establish itself. It's been around, but right now they're trying to really, really ramp up the the aristocratic angle here, where a few people have a lot more power and a lot more money and a lot more influence. So we end up being kind of like serfs. Uh, in the Middle Ages uh, in Europe, uh, just the, the pretty much indentured servants and trapped in in a. Anyway, this gets depressing quick if I keep going like this. But I'm going to go back to the live chat and see the wonderful things you wonderful people are saying. So you've got um, okay. Tyler asks me, M.A., on this topic of soy boys, are you a fan or a subscriber of Yo Elliot, Elliot Hulse? I think I've seen some stuff by LNCL. I'll look up Elliot. Oh, I can't type anymore. I can't. I really can't. Maybe I should just let it correct me. Okay. Um, I think I've... Um, yeah, yeah, I've I've seen some stuff uh, from uh, Elliot Hulse, I think. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know I, I, what it was exactly, but definitely something. Uh, probably a YouTube video. Friends are a waste of time. Oh, okay, geez, he's how to be a, be a dominant man without being a tyrant. Okay, that's I mean that, that's a nice change from friends are a waste of time. Uh, Cool. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't really followed him closely, but um, I have a feeling that he has <laughs> some good advice and some advice I'd probably uh, take a have to take a second look at. Um, but I'm sure that he advocates masculinity because I mean he looks like a masculine guy, not messing around. So uh, I mean messing around. I I don't want to sound like I'm against effeminate men i'm not i i just <laughs> i i think that um it's a problem that that uh masculinity is being um vilified just like i it's crazy we're creating vil these all these new villains uh masculinity itself well patriarchy has been a you know something that the i guess the third wave third wave feminists especially have been actually even the first wave feminists were fighting a, a genuine patriarchy. So the, I think in the beginning, feminism was genuinely fighting a patriarchy. Then women got equal rights in at least uh, our corner of the globe, and uh, or at least many corners of the globe. And um, and so yeah, the the goalposts shifted, right? So just like like the the term racism is the now it's supposed to mean. Um, 
a power dynamic between this, that, and the other from the so certain people who have whatever. It's not a, it's not about a power dynamic. It's about racial prejudice and hatred. That's what makes a racist. And I'm sick of racists trying to reword, uh, trying to redefine racism in a way that doesn't that makes them not look racist. You know, like wow, I can get myself in trouble. But a lot of these leaders who claim to be against racism or some of the most racist people I've ever seen in my life. And I say that as a black man. And I know I'm not technically black, I'm brown, right? But goodness, all these terms, what does it matter? We're all human. So, yep, yep. Elliot Hulse is on the in, on the Y tubes. So check him out. Um I'm not necessarily advocate. I don't know enough about Elliot Hulse, but I do remember um, seeing good stuff from him. So, yeah, check his stuff out. Selfhood Renaissance says Florida seems only okayish from someone looking outside in. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what you want. So, I think it wouldn't just be anyone from the outside looking in, but rather you. And you know, me. I have my reasons I, I'm attached to my climate and I don't necessarily want to move down to the tropics there. But in any case, Z8 says craft a food company that only sells food products. That's right. Food products. So many things that we call food these days are really food products, highly processed, highly processed and um, full of unstable fats uh, from the vegetable oils and other crap that are usually jammed in there. And they make us very sick and very vulnerable to all kinds of issues from infection to diabetes. And yeah, processed food is, they're trying to make processed food the future, not nature. It's bizarre. And a lot of people are lining up for that future. Not us, right? Not us. So we have to resist. Wow, I'm going on two hours, and I haven't. I never even got through uh, any of the. <laughs> I barely. I didn't even. I got. I think I got through two at most of the World Economic Forum's partners. I'll have to talk about that more another time. But um, <laughs> let me see what else is happening in the chat. So much I haven't covered. Before I finish up the chats, let me see. I'll show you. I complained about Mark Bittman. Right, good. So check, check. And uh, um, now I want to point out something I think that's good. Of course, I did point out before something I thought was good, the Free State Project. Again, I point you to fsp.org to see the Free State Project. Liberty lives in New Hampshire, and I might live in New Hampshire to be amongst these liberty-minded folks myself, because I love being in this region, but, uh, yeah, I need to get out of New York State, I think, because it's getting too, uh, ooh, anyway, I still can't leave, so let's look at what's happening in Nebraska. I don't think that's a Nebraskan accent at all, but, um, this is from KTRE ABC 9. National news. Nebraska launches beef passport program for meat eating. Now, when I first saw this headline, you can imagine 
How I, I was incensed. I was horrified. I thought, Nebraska of all places is launching a beef passport. You have to get a passport to eat beef. But um, turns out, let's see. Omaha, Nebraska, from the AP, the Associated Press. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts ramped up his crusade for the, for the meat industry, thank goodness, on Wednesday by endorsing a new beef passport program to promote meat-eating. To promote meat-eating. Huzzah. Kalu Kalei. That's good. A few weeks after he blasted Colorado's governor for a resolution encouraging its residents to eat less. That's right. I remember that. Um, Colorado. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. So Nebraska declares pro-meat day on Colorado meatless day. Colorado declared a meatless day. And Colorado has taken steps to, yeah, uh, toward this meatless future that the World Economic Forum has planned for us. Keeping I'm this of all places, Colorado, that beautiful state deserves better. And the beautiful people and other animals deserve better than that. So I'm against it. I don't know if you guys can hear the church bell in the background, but it's ringing 6 o'clock. 6 p.m. here in Queens, New York. So going on uh, to, yeah, this, this is a, I'm trying to end on some good news here. Focus on some good news. So, um, yeah, I love how, like you say, Ron DeSantis is, uh, uh, even though you have to wonder, there's always a slippery slope when, when your side uses some kind of dictatorial method to get its way, it can always be used against you later. Something to keep in mind. But the fact that DeSantis protected the rights of his citizens by forbidding vaccine passports, which, oh. anyway, New York was first to get the vaccine. New York and California, I think, but definitely New York. Where we we got the um, ooh the Excelsior Pass, which was developed in partnership with IBM and um, oh IBM. Uh, let's see, IBM Hitler. IBM Hitler. Does that cause that? Yeah, that does bring up a search. Oh, Adolf Hitler and Thomas J. Watson, founding CEO of IBM. That must be back when, oh yeah, back in World War II when um, IBM provided the technology to track concentration camp prisoners. And now IBM, in partnership with <laughs> Cuomo, uh, that disgraced governor, to um, track not concentrate, supposedly not concentrate. Ooh, let's not get deplatformed here. But yeah, um, right now IBM is using, is, is providing technology to track us the way they tracked concentration camp prisoners for the vaccine, right? For the vaccine. And who knows what else might be tacked on to that. But it's disturbing and something to pay attention to because. Yeah, there's even a book, IBM and the Holocaust. Um, pay attention. This is, it's bad. I mean, again, IBM, Excelsior Pass. From maybe, maybe seeing them one after another will help us to 
just think about it. I mean, if you're watching the video, of course. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it's not as... We don't, we don't have a great picture like uh, Cuomo sitting with Hitler, but the fact is, IBM, the same IBM that worked with the Nazis is working with the New York government. And the fact that a private company is working with the government at all is fascism. That is fascism. And that's horrible. That's horrific. That is the economic foundation of fascism. Everyone thinks about the racial side of it, but that's the economic side of it. And that's what we're experiencing now. And they're trying to work in a racial angle, but they're trying to make it look like it's about equality. And it's not. It's about power, still about power, divide and conquer. They want us to fight amongst ourselves while they continue to control. And anyway, okay, so I'm going on and on. Uh, <laughs> back to this nice, positive article. So, uh, again... Like I was saying, I love how DeSantis is acting. I love that Texas is starting to follow suit. And um, they were pretty good uh, all along in some ways. But we have to be careful how, um, you know, when uh, our when leaders that we like decide things like this, the other side can do that later on too. So that's something to keep in mind. But it's just a good thing that DeSantis has done what he has for... Um, for liberty and uh, for all, all of these leaders who, who are promoting liberty by freeing their, keeping their citizens free, defending that is the number one duty of our government is to protect our individual rights and freedoms, our individual rights and freedoms, not to, to uh, even protect the border I mean, that, that part of that's our job, too. We have to be more self-sufficient. And part of that means taking care, taking care of our country ourselves, wherever we are, whatever country we're a part of. But the United, United States was built on these principles. I mean, a lot of other countries have histories of, again, serfdom from feudalism in the Middle Ages in, in Europe and, and, and true fascism and Nazism national socialism all those horrors and, and oh my goodness i mean communism in asia and 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 in parts of europe all these horrors that have happened throughout the ages are i feel like they've just been all piled up on top of each other in a new form during this age but but then you have people who are fighting back and it feels too far and few and far between, but the ones who are doing it are really making a strong impact. Of course, the mainstream media is not really pointing out how well they're doing, like how well Florida is doing in Texas and how it, that their numbers are better than New York, which is still kind of a half-assed lockdown state. I mean, a lot of people, they're, they're not... Anyway getting off the topic again and i have to wrap this up very soon and don't worry i'm going to read all the chats before i end but i have to get through a little more of this good news so uh let's uh look at what ricketts is saying again of course ricketts is something that you won't get if you eat meat so that's interesting right but um it's a it's a uh, a disease of nutrition 
So eat enough meat and you won't get rickets. But uh, so rickets, um, a Republican uh, cast meat as essential to his state's economy and the nation's food security. Yes, thank you. Thank you for understanding. Um, and he, he criticized radical environmentalists and Bill Gates for promoting alternatives such as in synthetic lab-grown meat and for arguing that the current global meat production system isn't sustainable. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, it's, again, it's all marketing. And so, you know, he's trying to, he's not even, it's not marketing in this case. He, he's trying to fight it with, uh, I guess, with policy. So that's, anyway, okay. Uh, if you do away with the beef industry, it's going to be devastating to Nebraska, Ricketts said at a downtown Lincoln Steakhouse. Mm. Have to get back to the steakhouse. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants in the city, if not my favorite, is uh, Churrascaria Plataforma, which is, uh, I always go there with my dad. And uh, they are, so cool they they i call it the parade of meats they walk around with these skewers and, and and the skewers have meat on them and you just you have your your uh your plate there with your there's a little disc next to your plate it's either red or green red if you want to take a break but it should be green so that, that when they come around they can offer you meat and they slice off they say you want rare medium rare well done whatever you want they've got it and, oh, man, it's, oh, I'm getting hungry. You're going to hear my stomach in a second if I don't stop. But I highly recommend Churrascaria Plataforma, one of my favorite places in the world. A great Brazilian steakhouse in New York, New York. Still going strong, thank goodness. I actually went there once with my dad, I think, yeah, for my birthday. Um, so thanks, Dad. Um, and that was the last time I was there, which is, uh, yes, man, uh, coming up on my birthday in July, end of July. So it's been a while, but um, they are still around. And I, now that there's indoor dining, uh, it'll, it'll be even better because we were eating outside and they didn't have the parade of meats. This is one of the sad stories of the pandemic, folks. When I went to my, my restaurant, um, they only had a, a limited menu. So it was tragic. But delicious. It was still delicious, so no worries there. I'm not angry. Um, but yeah, you know what? We get the story. Um, that that Ricketts is... Um, that Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts uh, is defending meat. Uh, he, and he makes some, some good points. I'm going to finish on a joke that he... Okay, so he says uh, that... Um, yeah, it would... It would uh, okay, so... He said uh, he, uh, Lincoln Steakhouse is where he issued his annual proclamation of May as Beef Month. Yes, excellent. Beef Month. I love it. Let's make it a beef year, huh? Let's make it a beef life. That's what I say. But, uh, yeah, for now, Beef Month is good. It would have a huge impact on our small towns and rural communities. Uh, if we, He's talking about if we did away with the beef industry. Um, so he's saying Nebraska is... Okay, um, now the article is saying Nebraska is one of the t nation's top beef-producing states, and much of the corn it produces is used for livestock feed. All right, let me just stop right there and point out that's a huge problem. That corn should be going to 
whoever wants it, you know, people to make ethanol, I don't know, whatever it's done. But first of all, we have to stop all this monocropping. It's destroying the planet. Using the very little land that is arable or, or far, farmable on the planet for monocrops like corn is destroying the planet. We need to get rid of these horrible field, sure, yeah, amber waves of grain. That's in uh, America, America, the, 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 a beautiful song, heart-stirring, sure, yeah, you'll, it'll get the emotions going, but uh, America, America, God shed his grace on thee, all that stuff, but uh, the amber waves of grain business, that, that's death to the earth. As beautiful as it sounds, it's death to the earth. Amber waves of grain are, are just, that's looking forward to amber hills of, of rolling sand dunes in our man-made deserts. I believe the Nile would not exist, or I mean, the, um, the Sahara Desert, I don't think would be as big without human farming, so uh, you have to double-check that, but um, I'm not going to do that now and start another, open up another tab, look at all my tabs, it's ridiculous, but nothing new there. Uh, you should see my phone has probably like a hundred tabs open. It's ridiculous. I never close them. But let's see. Let's just finish what he's saying here. Uh, so uh, Governor Ricketts said, um, "Yeah, yeah. So they, 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 we should not be feeding these uh, the livestock corn or soy or any of this stuff. We should be letting them graze on the grass. Which, by the way, that's an amazing advantage. Ruminant animals." make it possible to create very highly dense nutrition and optimally bioavailable, clean, beautiful nutrition if they're just allowed to graze on the grass. That's all they need. Just take care of them, protect them, look after them, and, and you know, let them eat the grass, which is everywhere. It's it, Instead of lawnmowers, I, and I'm back in the suburbs, and yeah, oh man, lawns, they're going to come after your lawn too, trust me the whole the climate change freaks are going to go after your lawn after a while because it is kind of efficient in, in, in efficient it's inefficient and it's a waste to just have a plot of land without animals and nature on it, it it's um, i mean it's a nice little it's beautiful um, but uh, and i i even like a nice a, a well manicured lawn can be very attractive but it's uh yeah, that should be cows. It should be. Ha it should have cows eating and pooping. Uh, as smelly as that could be, it, that that's that's how nature works. Where do you think all that methane comes from? It's all natural, folks. Okay, so <laughs> getting back to this article again, Ricketts. Uh, Ricketts, and I love this, he says, Ricketts said meat is nutritionally dense and part of a traditional healthy diet. That's right, Governor Ricketts. He said three ounces of beef has more protein than three cups of quinoa. And he says, who wants to eat three cups of quinoa anyway? <laughs> and that's right. I mean, I remember when my dad first got it. So, sorry, dad, but... Uh, he first got into uh, quinoa back in um, his diabetic days. Now he's keto and actually pretty much carnivore, I think, but he's more more keto. But um, thank goodness. I'm just so glad he, he's he's off the sugar because he had type 2 diabetes forever. I mean, I mean since I was very young and uh, probably before, I mean, 
longer than he even knew because at a certain point we were in a, at a movie theater and he almost passed out and he and and and, uh, and that's when he had to go to a doctor and he learned that he had diabetes i think that's how the story goes so that's what i remember and i remember that day it was a very weird vibe and uh, yeah i was i didn't know how to feel he was just clearly very upset and worried and i didn't know why and um but now now my dad's taking care of himself so thank you dad and um what was I going on about? The, oh, yeah, the quinoa. But I remember, and, and here's why I apologize again, Dad, because um, he he said, uh, yeah, I just uh, found out about, this is back when he was diabetic, remind, I remind you. So he was trying to follow the um, all the guidelines, you know, and so he decided to eat something with a... Um, uh, the, the, the insulogenic, uh, impact would be lessened, um, by eating quinoa as opposed to other carbs. So, um, or other grains and, <laughs> but he called it quinoa back then. And so that's what, that's why I'm apologizing. I, the whole, that whole thing I just said was just to, to tease my dad for saying quinoa, but I made a couple of important points along the way. And also thanked my dad for taking care of himself. So no, not, not a waste of time at all. And thank you to Dr. Ken Berry for being a huge part of that. I mean, go to YouTube, Dr. Ken Berry. He's a hero. Let's so you're seeing some of my, <laughs> some of my, Stuff. Okay, so Dr. Ken, Ken D. Berry, MD. Sending my dad to his videos helped to save my dad's life. So I highly recommend Dr. Berry for all the amazing advice he gives. And he's hilarious too. And good vibes, good vibes. And, and he's a doctor. So I'm not a doctor. I can't give medical advice. But he sure can and he sure does. And I love the way he does it. He says, that that's... That, that, uh, he, he, he talks about how I, I watched a video of his about how, um, uh, eating carnivore, a carnivore diet on a budget. And so he said, even, um, what do you call it? Vienna sausages are okay. If you really, if that's all you can afford, which I would argue could, you could afford at least McDonald's burger patties if you could afford that, but maybe not. I mean, sometimes they're really cheap Vienna sausages. So he said something like, those Vienna sausages are going to be still better than that Snickers bar you ate last year or yesterday or whatever. So I, I just, I love watching uh, Ken Berry and he makes so, so many great points. And I don't know if my impression of him is, is on point, but he, he's just, it's great. I, I love how he'll lean into the camera, a little hard headed lean into the camera and make an, kind of twist the knife to, to give a, I'm mixing metaphors, but to give a middle finger to Big Pharma. So, yeah, love Dr. Ken Berry. And, and I appreciate Governor Ricketts, Dr. Governor Pete Ricketts. Sorry, I don't, I'm not that familiar with Nebraska, but good on you, good for you. And I'm very proud of, of that action, that that'll help protect the citizens of, of Nebraska and their health. So that beef passport is a good thing. When you hear vaccine passport, that's a bad thing. But when you hear beef passport, in this case, it's a good thing. So, at least in my opinion. Now, oh, you know what? <laughs> I think I just figured out how to fix my um, 
my camera. So I'll be doing that after I get off the uh, live stream here. But um, of course, some of you are also listening. So you can go to themeatofit.com. So first of all, thank you. If you're here, please do like and subscribe. I have a a few of you watching now, and I thank you. And uh, so please do like and subscribe if you have not already. And please do click the notification bell. Um, That's for you uh, on YouTube. I am also on Odyssey. Um, I'm not live streaming on Odyssey yet, but I hope to live stream on Odyssey soon. And uh, you can find me there. Um, my channel is at Michael Anthony, I believe. Very simple, Michael Anthony. And um, you know, just like on YouTube, my channel is Michael Anthony. And um, you can also find me on Rumble, my videos. Uh, so my videos are on YouTube for at least as long as they'll have me. And also on Odyssey and Rumble. Rumble, I have to update manually, so it's not maybe not everything's there, but I try to get all the good stuff on there. And um, sorry, I kicked my microphone. Uh, I also have um, a, this, the podcast audio by itself on themeatofit.com. Themeatofit.com will take you to my podcast website, and I'm even on Telegram. Um, I forget what my link is, um, but. I am on Telegram. You know what? Uh, while while I'm showing you, um, I'll show you meetgoth.com. Type in meetgoth.com, and that takes you to my link tree. Also, if you type in michaelanthony.life, you'll go to my link tree. And you'll see uh, Michael Anthony, pro-liberty artist and advocate for wellness through a keto slash carnivore lifestyle. And one point I want to make, because like, okay, Frank said, in one of her, my recent interviews that were discussions that he's carnivore keto because he eats more carnivore than keto. When I say keto carnivore for myself, I'm talking about the fact that I'm leading a, car, a, a both a ketogenic and carnivorous lifestyle so that my carnivorous lifestyle is a ketogenic one. It's not that I'm mixing it up with keto products. I just like to point out that my carnivorous lifestyle is ketogenic. It's hard not to make it, but <laughs> I mean, it's almost by default ketogenic, but I just like to point that out because um, I, I like to work in the word keto because it's more relatable and people will realize, oh, this is keto. It's not just some crazy thing. And keto is a lot more you know, relatable to a lot more people. Like I have friends who do I have one of my best friends does lazy keto and she's doing great. So it's working for a lot of people. Anyway. Here's my link tree, and uh, so you see I have my artwork and merch shop at Society6. Um, I have things, one of my favorite things, and you've seen it maybe on my Instagram at Meet Goth. Uh, I have a, um, actually, I'll show you, art.meetgoth.com. I should have just clicked on the link, but I typed it in. So here's my (laughs) Society6 page. Um, Not fully updated. Uh, Let's see. But, I mean, I, I want to change the banner maybe, but I, I, I like this. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can see Don't Tread on Meat merchandise. I don't have a t-shirt yet. One of you asked about a t-shirt for Don't Tread on Meat. And, uh, I look, I came up with this because it was based on the Gadsden flag. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with it, uh, which says, Don't Tread on Me. And... <laughs> 
Oh, now it's banned hate speech apparently. But anyway, uh, don't tread on me. It's 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 a now it's a, used as a libertarian symbol. Um, I, I, I we can go on about the history, but I just enjoyed that uh, turning that image into something uh, for uh, for meat to defend meat because. I was inspired to create that after seeing this war on me to start to really ramp up. I said, man, don't tread on me and don't tread on meat. So I took, I thought, but how do you, the snake, I couldn't figure out the snake. And so I realized, okay, a bacon could, is long enough that you could curl it into a, a snake, like uh, whatever. <laughs> That's how I came up with the image and the, the play on words and hodl. I have this um, HODL merchandise. Uh, this is a HODL cat that um, I created based on the Bitcoin logo. Uh, so, made a little typo there. But yeah, you see, so I, I turned this uh, cat logo, I mean this Bitcoin logo, all the way on its side. And then I saw these as eyes these as whiskers uh i saw eyes whiskers and ears and um and even a little space for a nose and, and cat-like mouth and that's how i created that image um it's <laughs> and, and and it's meant to um of course uh re refer to cryptocurrency because even though i have my concerns with crypto like where is it gonna go um i I'm hodling <laughs> some crypto. So uh, I think that it's a good idea, especially since, look, we, we hold America, the American dollar. We hold whatever currency, whatever fiat currency we're holding. And uh, while I think cash is important, um, you can also get a hardware wallet and protect your crypto that way. Um, it does rely on the internet still, but they'll never be able to really shut down the internet. I mean, there are people who make arguments for how crypto can't be stopped. It's tricky, but anyway. So here's my HODL cat and all the merch. And this one I did uh, figure out some uh, some merch for the, uh, some t-shirts. But I, you know, I can make a don't tread on meat t-shirt. So look forward to that. Uh, and if I forget, I don't think I'll forget. That's a pretty good idea. I really should have that. Um, so yeah, there's some more merch, but I don't just have merch. I have, uh, prints. So, uh, here's some art prints of uh, the, this, uh, <laughs> melting chocolate Easter bunny that I created in protest, uh, you know, to say, yeah, chocolate is great on Easter, but it'll make you sick. So I tried to make this gross, weird looking grotesque bunny and, I had fun drawing it too, of course, but um, the message is dark. And so here's my psych psychedelic ribeye, which is another one of my favorites that I've done. And then some older stuff that's just weirdness. Um, one of my favorites from before, way back, The Universe is Offensive. <laughs> that's an art print. And uh, yeah, so there I am. That's art.meetgoth.com. And uh, yeah, this is all the promo stuff huh? And near the end. But before I wrap it up, let's see what you've been saying in the chat as I wrap it up. I can't believe I'm almost at two and a half hours. I guess that's what I get for having <laughs> having material already prepared. 
always, even if I'm doing a, a solo video where I'm just reading, I mean, not reading, but uh, talking to the, the camera, um, and maybe I have sometimes notes uh, to just remind myself to jog my memory or to keep me on track because you see how easily I go off on tangents. But um, uh, <laughs> I just went on another one. But anyway, let, let, I, I want get to get through the rest of these chat, uh, chats and then I have to wrap it up because, like I said, preparing usually makes me like that's what i was saying that i was starting to lose my point again um that i <laughs> will end up recording for hours instead of just for you know I, it'll double my recording time and double my editing time when i'm reading for or keeping when i write an outline and plan out what i want to say anything like that and i'll go on forever because each of these points triggers just this cascade of thoughts and and it's all important. It's all interrelated. It's all connected. Just like we're all connected as life forms, as as anything on this planet, in this universe, everything is connected. There is no division between you and the rest of the universe. And your experience is part of the universe's experience. It's really trippy and deep, but it's true because you're part of the universe. It's, it's, uh, it's okay. I'm going off on more, but... I, th I find it all important. It's all so important. Everything's too important for me to get the heck off of it. But two and a half hours is not bad. And there are a lot of podcasts I like that are two and a half hours. Like The Last American Vagabond. I was just listening to him and uh, his great work. Um, no Agenda is another one of my favorites. Oh, man. No, no Agenda. Let's see. What's it? Dvorak.org slash N-A. That's their uh, their little, what do you call it, um, jingle. No Agenda. So that's one of my favorite podcasts now. It's so wacky, full of all these clips of uh, just, they're really, they're a great BS meter. So they, they're calling out the media and the government on all this crazy crap. Uh, I think their background is in technology and they're great. I just, uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, who insists he's not Dvorak. D oh, I'm saying it the wrong. I've heard it his way so many times. Dvorak, right? That's the, the composer. But, um, yeah. And like I was saying, uh, the last American vagabond, look at that. Duck, duck, go is auto completing that. Another great podcast to, to follow. Uh, for for the information I'm, I'm getting a lot of information from places like this um and of course tom woods tom woods is awesome uh for especially the more buttoned up someone is the more likely i am to recommend them to tom woods because he he just presents such a clean image he's not like me all you know, meat goth and being all you know <laughs> deviant or something he's just a straight up guy he you know, used to be a uh, I think a, a neocon, and so he evolved from neoconservatism to libertarianism, and now he disbelieves in freedom. He's not stuck in that two-party lie anymore. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> going on and on and on and on. I'm getting off the uh, topic yet again. Um, I'm getting back to the chat here, and I realize that every time I leave <laughs> these windows and go to the chat the the screen is still showing whatever i have in the the browser 
So I don't know where to stop, but, uh, oh, Ron Paul, I, I listen to Ron Paul a lot and he's a hero. So let's leave him there on the screen while I look at the rest of your comments. Um, so let's see. Um, yes. Selfhood Reliance says, uh, yeah, CDC is in Atlanta. I believe it is. That's why I don't want to live in Georgia or part of why I don't want to live in Georgia. Uh, even though I have family there that I, I would love to see, but, and I have seen them, but yeah, not, not a, in a while. So anyway, um, yes. And using the PCR test properly does help. And, and it, it wasn't meant for what it's being used for now. So we shouldn't even be talking about it, but yeah, at least they're improving it, making it the, they're making their numbers more honest now. Goody, goody. Thank you. Um, so let's see. Uh, and yes, oh, let's connect it. I'm, I'm going to skip so that I, I keep the comments connected. Selfhood Renaissance comes back and says, yep, PCR doesn't tell you if you have it only if you, you, um, doesn't tell you if you have it only if you have had it. Yeah. Uh, really even not even, I, th I think it's even just if you're, especially if they're going over a certain number of cycles, it wouldn't even be an infection. Cause see, when they talk about infections, they're just saying that they've detected the, the, um, the virus on somebody. So the numbers for cases, so-called cases have been way off this ex hugely exaggerated. The numbers they've been scaring us with from the very beginning have been fallacious, fallacious, straight up lies. And they don't, Anyway, so, um, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I have never fig figured out how to pronounce, uh, this, this, uh, screen name, but, uh, Abaneon, is that, is that how you pronounce that? Abaneon? I hope that's correct. Um, it's, it's politics and policies before people. And that's yeah, a very good point. Politics and policies before people. Now, the good news is that there are politics and policies that are for for the people, like in Florida, up what Nebraska did with the beef passport. There are in Texas, you know, there are pockets. South Dakota, I believe, is also very good. It's out there. Um, there are policies for the people. And that's what they should be for. We shouldn't even need these policies because these are just the policies in the free states that are keeping those states free. The free state is a default. You are born free. I can say this over and over because it's so important and so true. So, I mean, we shouldn't need policies to, to defend our freedom, but if government has any role whatsoever, it is to defend our individual rights and freedoms. So good. That's good work, DeSantis. Good work. All you leaders who are doing that work. Howley boy says, dude, your impressions are hilarious. Thank you. How about a mask argument between Fauci and Jerry Lewis? <laughs> Mister, why do I have to wear the mask so much? I, I don't know if I have a great Jerry Lewis right now. But <laughs> uh, hey, mister. Hey, doctor. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't have a, a dialogue set up. But, 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 you know, you, you, you got to write these things ahead of time. You, you got to plan ahead. You, you can't just, uh, you 
you got a plan. So there's my Fauci, and there was my bad Jerry Lewis. Um, <laughs> there are certain words that that make me want to say uh, they get slip into the Jerry Lewis voice, like I said before. So um, when I hear one of those words, um, I guess I could say Doctor Fauci, but that's not the most uh, Jerry Lewis sounding thing I've ever done. <laughs> uh, it's just fun to mess around like that. Oh, hey, Todd uh, has uh, <laughs> given a five, $5 super chat. It's not a super sticker. It's a super chat, and he's just showing support. So thank you, Todd. Thank you very much for the super chat. Um, and uh, howly boy, I'm sorry that uh, I didn't do the best with my Fauci and Jerry Lewis, but uh, <laughs> I did my – I tried. I tried. Um Selford Renaissance says, yep, PCR doesn't tell if you have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we got through that. Um, and Witty Got Home says, your Fauci impression is funny. Well, th thank you very much. I appreciate that. I have to, have to figure out how to do his, um, when he's, you know, calm and, well, you see, the thing is with the, you know, I, there's, a, there's a range that I have to work on, but. But that, that, that wheezy kind of area, that's fun. There's even on No Agenda, if you listen to that podcast, they have all these different uh, little um, vamps, these little clips that they'll play for fun. Uh, and one of them is called the Fauci Wheeze. And it's just something like, like <laughs> I don't know, it's just a weird little noise. Sorry for that awful, awful sound. But um, it's such a funny show. So, um, and thank, thank you for the compliment. Selford Renaissance says cow farts, though. Uh, yeah, cow, cow farts, cow burps, whatever. You know, we know that that methane, that, that's a natural part of the earth, and it goes away. It, it doesn't stay in the atmosphere. It doesn't get trapped. It's, it's, I'm, I mean, I'm not an expert on the science, but I, I highly recommend you look into Dr. Peter Ballerstedt. Um, he... He knows he's an agronomist, an agricultural agronomist, I believe. Uh, let's see. Um, Peter Ballerstedt. And he has a podcast um, called, I think, the. I forget the name of his podcast, but he's also on a lot of other people's podcasts. So I highly recommend you look up what he has to say. He has great. Because he'll also destroy the environmental environment uh, the environmental argument on the other side you know that he knows how um, you see right there the first thing that pops up peter ballastet dispelling meat sustainability myths and uh, that's a, a carnivore cast another great podcast so yeah i uh <laughs> here i am recommending all these different podcasts and people because it's important and i am okay so get but getting back to the <laughs> Um, yeah, getting back to the chat, I, I just saw Luke Gear says, wow, still at it, Michael? Yes. Yes, Luke, I am still here. I'm glad you got to catch a little more before I wrap it up here. Um, Selfhood Renaissance says, Florida seems like the only spot that looks overall okay-ish versus the rest, which looks, which leans heavy right or left. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's kind of um, a, a mix of uh, different demographics, but the whole state is under, right now, the freest leadership in our United States. So, um, 
Okay. Strange wording. You say strange wording. I don't know what you're referring to, but, um, so, oh, Selfhood Renaissance also says Dr. Sivis is great for food at, uh, at least also. Yes. Dr. Robert Sivis is another one of my favorites. Uh, I should type in doctor, right? But you know, he's a, a, a doctor. Oh wait, why am I typing is, is uh, I'm misspelling his name to, to pronounce it properly. It's C-Y-W-E-S. So Dr. Robert Sivis, uh, or Sivis, MD and PhD. He's MD and PhD. I think Ballerstedt is um, PhD or something. But anyway, um, he calls himself the, yeah, the sugar or the carb addiction doc. And lots of great advice. One of his best pieces of advice is that a snack is always an emotional event. And that really stuck with me. That he reminds you that a snack is always an emotional event. If you're eating just, do you think it's just to eat? There's an emotional reason behind it. If you're um, hungry throughout the day for little snacks, an, an emotional reason, especially if you're eating um, low carb, there's more and more uh, of a chance that there's an emotional component. Of course, when you're eating a lot of carbs, you're going to be hungry throughout the day and hangry. You're going to get hangry at everyone because you, you're hungry all day if you're relying on carbs and that fuel source rapidly runs out. And uh, just go keto, eat meat and drink water and you'll be just fine, I think. But eh, not everyone wants to do that and that's fine. Um, I just think it would be easier. The Z8 says, then thank you, Selfhood, for pointing out Dr. Sybus. He's really great. Uh, Z8 says, I would offer to design some shirts for you since I tattoo people. Since uh, I tattoo people, um, and I guess you, uh, people will ask me to do that uh, type of stuff. Oh, okay, you tattoo. Um, people will ask me to do that type of stuff, but I've seen some good drawings you've posted. Thank you. Um, I'm sure you can design some cool stuff. Thanks very much. And Howley Boy says, yes, T-shirt, I'm in. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, okay. Now I got to do it, right? So, okay, I'm going to make sure I get that Don't Tread on Meat T-shirt up on uh, art.meatgoth.com on my Society6 page. I love Society6. The, the prints are great. The, they're high quality. I've gotten, I've got, I got the cutting board, the tr Don't Tread on Meat cutting board, and you can see that on my Instagram and I'm having fun with that. Makes me feel, you know, I've customized my my uh, meat experience with a little bit of my own artistry. And you can share in that if you like. And I appreciate it. I appreciate all the support. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Oh, thank you, Selfhood, for clarifying what you meant. Um so you said strange wording for the Nebraska thing using passport. Yeah, I don't know why they called it a passport, but um, I don't know if that'll stick, but at least it's a good thing, right? We need good passports, and there, most passports are good. They let you travel from country to country. That's especially a good thing right now. Of course, they don't work unless you meet certain criteria these days, but man, the world has gone really kind of crazy here, huh? So right now, <laughs> what I'm doing is uh, looking for, yeah, I'm just going to thank my, uh, my Patreon subscribers because their support 
makes it so much like now you may have noticed I I'm trying to avoid monetizing my videos on YouTube. It's not just because it's annoying for you to have to deal with the ads. It's also um, uh, because I want to avoid the the added scrutiny that comes with that. Um, but um, you know, I always I try to always make sure you at least can skip the ads if I do have ads on there. But um, increasingly, I'm just not not um, in, I'm <laughs> demonetizing my own videos. Uh, I don't know if that screws up my visibility, but. Um, it makes me less visible to the sensors. I think uh, they're less likely to come after me. Um, if, um, cause you know, if you say certain things that'll affect whether or not advertisers are happy and I, I can't be worried about that. I want to make you happy. And so making my Patreon subscribers happy and all of you happy who support by, by watching what they are supporting. Um, yeah, th thank you for, for making it easier for me to just, not worry about uh, things like advertising, which I don't really, I, I, I did, I, I went in very carefully and controlled what kind of advertising I, I would see uh, through Google. It's Google ads. And I make sure that Google, my Google ads don't have anything with food or pharma, anything like that. Um, I, I just, uh, someone told me that they got an advert for uh, a low fat, high sugar yogurt and Oh man, that freaked me out. That was right after I monetized at first and I went right in and fixed it. So all that to say, thanks so much to Kevin, Jeffrey, Nate, Matt, Todd, Mary, Adrian, Jordan, Grigori, Michael, and my dad, Louis. I really appreciate all your support. Um, I kind of sped through that. Said I really appreciate all your support. And I want you to hear every word of that because every word of it is true and I mean it. Um, and uh, I also mean that I have to go right now. So um, I thank you so much for joining me for this long live stream. It's uh, two hours and 45 minutes. Isn't that something? But um, I think we had some fun here. Still, I mean, the numbers barely changed of viewers, that the number of viewers barely changed throughout. I mean, it increased and then stayed at a certain level. And I really appreciate that. It looks like you guys are enjoying this content and I'm going to try to get better and better at making my live streams more like my edited, edited videos, you know, with all the bells and whistles so that I can share more with you. And also I'm going to fix this uh, weird effect on my uh, video where I look like I'm some kind of psychedelic, whatever. I don't, I have no idea, but <laughs> there I go. Thank you very much for joining me in this live stream in this first live episode of the meat of it. I'll be back soon with more.